everybody, welcome to another movie episode, not an MCU one this time, but another movie episode of Games My Mom Found. I am Mike Elberton, and who's with me tonight? Janky old broke hobo Spider-Man, Michael K. Hughes. Bill from the Disasterverse, Tucker. And Peter, I didn't think of a funny name, Bingham Bankrats. I don't feel bad. <laughs> no one does, it's fine. <laughs> Everyone forgets and thinks of it last minute. Don't sweat it. I, I was gonna. I remember watching this movie. And, you know, I'm gonna write down a quote, and then I realized as we start recording, yeah, that never happened. <laughs> well, now <laughs> we're doing things a little differently tonight for this episode. Since you guys have been so awesome and listening to, we'd already have released six of the MC movies at the time that you're listening to this. So, and as a as a tribute to getting through the first phase one with us, we decided we're gonna do something a little different, a little palate cleanser in a way, but still comic booky because that's what I want to do. Um, we're gonna be talking about Spider. And Into the Spider-Verse, which came out in 2018. Yep. I did not. It took longer to pull up than I thought it would. (laughs) No one will notice. Don't worry. That's right. Well, they won't by the time I edit it. So, so, I mean, first, I want to say I never saw this movie before. I I, I don't know why I didn't see this in theaters, but I think I was just working way too much in 2018. And I I didn't go. uh, December, yeah, I would have been working a lot because... I work at a shipping shipping place, so I work a lot in December. So I, I didn't I never saw this and I've been meaning to watch this for well over a year and I just never have until this is actually Mike's idea to put this on the show. Yeah, you got you guys had both said that you had never seen it and I was like, Well, we gotta we gotta fix that. And thank you so much for doing so. I hadn't seen this either. Um, This was released um, in December of 2018. So that's right in the middle of Oscar season. So I'm usually kind of boning up for the Oscars and seeing all the nominees. And um, even though this was uh, nominated for um, this was nominated for Best Animated Feature. And I think it won. Yeah, it did. It did. It won Best Animated Feature at the uh, Oscars that year. Uh, It just never I just wanted to. And I've heard so many good things. From people I trust, I uh, just never got around to it. So thank you for bringing this little piece of joy into my uh, into my life right now. This is pretty awesome. It was great. Oh, absolutely. Like, I'm going to go ahead and spoil the end of the episode now. This film is going to have, like, a permanent place on my shelf. As of right <laughs> now, this is my favorite movie, like, of all time. So I'm super excited to get into this. Yeah, man. Oh, absolutely. Yes. And before we go too far, Peter, do you want to mention where people might know you from real quick? If if you read sci-fi, I do. I have sub- published a few sci-fi books. Uh, my series is called The Fifth Civilization. You can find it on Amazon or wherever books are sold. So if you want a good adventure, I would say try and read that book as soon as you can. I cool. should really remember you. Right on. Right on. Thank you. I've been friends with you for years. So I get to read that. <laughs> you know what, Mike? I we got to talk about that sometime. Uh, <laughs> this is my this is my life's work, and you've uh, it's just sitting, collecting dust on your shelf. I'm assuming. I don't. I haven't bought it yet. That's the problem. I need to buy it. <laughs> oh come on! Well, see, I don't know. What... All right. I well, know. it was yeah. good talking. Uh, I will be back. <laughs> see, Mike, you thought this whole episode was your idea. This is actually an intervention that Pete put us together for. <laughs> All right. So, Mike, since this was, you want to kind of introduce how this movie starts off? Oh, man, absolutely. So it starts off with a bunch of Columbia Picture logos and it kind of (laughs) jumps around. Well, no, like I know that that sounds like a joke, but kind of sets up the tone in the movie where it kind of jumps between different versions, like how they might appear in different universes until we finally get into the movie after a montage of images complete with the number 42. Yeah, I, I got to I got to chuckle out of that one. Yeah, <laughs> I didn't get that reference. Uh, it's just the number on the spider that bites Miles. It was the same. in the Oh, comic. OK. 
So it, it kind of shows up a few times throughout this movie. And then Peter Parker from Universe 1610, I think is the ultimate universe, uh, kind of gives us a little recap about his life up until this point for the last, is it 10 years, I think? I think I would know after I watched this movie three times in the last three days. Uh, it's 10 years because he's, he yeah. he's, he's like 26 or 27, so that makes sense. He yeah. says he's Spider-Man for the last 10 years, and he's the one and only. He kind of goes over some of the highlights through his career, including uh, stopping a train from crashing. <laughs> people might have recognized. Mm-hmm. Uh, upside down kiss with Mary Jane that people might have recognized. Sure. A uh, car flying through a window in slow motion that people might recognize. That was Spider-Man 3, right? Shoot. No, two. 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 Yeah, Doc yep. Ock throws the, the car and then he dodges it in slow motion. Uh, this Peter tells it a little differently, where he knocks it out of the air with a single punch. And then uh, he does this, which is a, a dancing scene. He's like, yeah, we don't we don't really talk about this. That was from <laughs> Spider-Man 3. So is this supposed to be kind of like a loose sequel to like, is this supposed to be the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man kind of thing? Or just a think joke? So I think it's just nods to okay. the movies that came before it, kind of tapping into that multiverse, whatnot. Okay, it was funny. Yeah. And this oh, yeah. open is so is so good because it does two things. It's setting tone, right? So right away, you're getting basically what you should expect from this movie, which is high energy, um, a lot of um, reverence to the past and also um, the comedic tone as well. This is going to be funny. Uh, this is going to have a lot of uh, joyful energy and it's going to love the past, which I just said the same thing three times. So I apologize. Just take whichever one you like, Mike. I just take. But uh, no, this sets this sets the table so wonderfully. And it also sets a lot of wonder, like why? What's with all the glitching? What's with all the the colors? It just sets a lot of intrigue. So um, this is beautiful. It's just a wonderful en- uh, opening. And Peter also sets sets up the theme of always getting back up, which, again, the, the movie yes. revisits multiple times. Which I, I liked. I because I'm I'm a big Spider-Man fan for years. That's I guess one reason kind of why we have the the cast that we have tonight is because two of us I, I think are are big comic book fans, and two of us are not as much. I want to say. That's accurate. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think I, <laughs> so, I don't think I've ever picked up a Spider-Man comic in my life. So yeah, I don't know. That's kind of the uh, the idea for this show because I mean this this movie for a lot of people is probably their first introduction to Spider-Man. I mean, sorry, I've been around for everywhere, but I mean this is a lot. This is for a lot of people. This is what might have been the first thing that you would seen of Spider-Man, especially if you skip the other Spider-Man movies, which came out like, like over a decade ago at this point. Yeah. Well, we had first one like, and, it's yeah, we been had, like oh, yeah, yeah, before that. Yeah, okay. I, I, I'm probably eating my own words, but still. I, it might have been for some people. At least this introduced you to other Spider-Man in a world that you wouldn't have known. Like, I, I know who Spider-Gwen was. I knew who everyone was, except for the robotic girl. So, I mean, it was cool for me to see stuff like that. But I, I, I like how even, like, early on as the movie starts out, you have Miles getting ready for school. It's just it's very simple, but I, I like kind of shows that he's not like, oh, hey, are you all packed? And he's like, yeah. And then he looks over and he's not packed <laughs> at all. And again, high school kid. Like, it, it sets the tone of how this guy is, like, he's just kind of going by the moment kind of thing. He's not really... Well, he's a kid. It's like he doesn't take responsibility. <laughs> yeah, that's probably what they were going for. you got to have that great point. power first. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> I may I just interject one thing, because I want to get Peter's thoughts on these, too. Um, did you you know my sensitivities over the last six six episodes? Did yes. you notice the giant long shot of Sony on his headphones? That were just so blatant branding, <laughs> just center justified, middle frame, slow turn around. But that Sony logo didn't move. Oh, no. Right there in front of you, evil advertisers. 
don't to be expected. That, friends. Oh, I I know it's to be expected. I get it. It had the big Sony logo in the beginning, but man alive, we get it, Sony. We get it. Anyway, just I just it just bugs me when blatant product placement just puts a little. <laughs> Just puts a thing in my ear that's annoying. So, Peter, what do you think about the open and kind of like how this character is introduced? Well, uh, it's 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 very it was, it was very good. Uh, I, I I kind of agree with everyone what everyone was saying here. Um, I do I did like the the opening montage and uh, narration because uh, it's you know people like me don't necessarily remember the whole story and people coming into the movie for the. For uh, you know, a new viewer might not necessarily know the story, and it's good to show the whole progression of Peter Parker and Spider Man. You will see references to the you know other films in there too. Um, but overall, yeah, it was it was a great introduction. And another thing too about the introduction that I just kind of came to mind as Peter was talking is animated films hit a different demographic. They that'll hit a younger demographic. Um, so you get more kids. Parents yeah. are more willing to take their younger kids to a movie that's animated, whether or not it's, you know, PG, PG 13. It's just kind of that natural progression. So you're right. A lot to be a lot of kids in that theater who've never seen those mid 2000s or late 2000s Spider-Man movies. And this is just a neat introduction. And they're not going to get the references and they don't have to. You're just seeing strength. You're seeing agility. You're seeing um, romance. You're you're seeing things that he's done without the context, which you don't need. Um, so I think that definitely lends to uh, it just benefits um, everyone's watching it, especially people like you said, who, yeah, there's gonna be a large population who haven't seen those original movies. They came out a while ago. So this is a really neat introduction to who Spider-Man is as a character, especially for this film. Right. Plus, Miles is a character that not a lot of people probably know is a Spider-Man because he's a newer one that came out in during the Ultimate Universe in 2011. But he's not a real like this was his first real big outing as a, as being Spider-Man. I mean, he is so a he's, Spider-Man game. So yeah. he's a comic book property. I had no idea. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay, I see. All right. See, I had no idea. Ultimate Spider-Man. Peter Parker does die, and Miles takes over at the name Spider-Man. So they're pretty true to the comics in that sense oh. all right they know that and he is bit by different spiders so that's why he has different powers too so all that was taken i mean was taken right from the comics the the way that the characters look like all the villains that was all something different for this movie like they kind of took some of the aspects of the characters that would be from the comic and then they just changed them like green goblin in the ultimate universe does look like a giant monster but not like that kind of giant monster like you as you saw in, in this movie so good well and we'll get to that scene too um, and I also really like the way they set him up as far as his personality. He's popular. Um, he's got a lot of friends at his old school. And uh, I really do love the scene where he's walking down the street in his prep charter school uniform. <laughs> I'll get to the whole that. That actually made me very sad. But it was um, to that charter school uniform. But all his friends are kind of hanging out and high-fiving. He, it sets him up as charming, as, as lively, as fun, very affable. Um, that's a tricky thing because you don't want him to come off as conceited because popular can sometimes read as, you know, a conceit. And uh, they, again, they do a beautiful job of making him just seem like a fun kid who uh, people like. And uh, that's that's awesome. Digging his music. You start, like your first introduction to him also, he's running down the street. You're saying he's taking things to it. He has these little stickers that he draws. Yes. Or he makes and he's sticking them on signs and stuff, which, again, kind of part of the character in this movie. Yeah, it's great. I really liked it. I wasn't sure it's, if I was going to, but it was it was. I did like it when the, when the dad shows up in the cop car and makes him jump in the back of the car. Like, that was funny. So good. Yeah. 
that it's good to be, see a diverse. I was going to say, say it's good to see a diverse uh, cast as well. Um, I know yeah. Miles Morales. I mean, I know that was um, it's true to the comic book, um, but it's kind of rare for a superhero movie to have anything but a non-white lead. Um, and it's good that this cast, you know, there was there was not as much emphasis on you know the white characters. It was you know Miles Morales, and there were women characters, and it's kind of the big hodgepodge that New York is. Um, and it was good. It was good to see that. No, right? it, was it was refreshing. Oh, extremely refreshing. Thank you for yeah. saying that too, because I had yeah. that down. Um, it's really nice to see a, a superhero movie that's not completely whitewashed. That's yeah, nice. That's great, actually. And you know, Black Panther obviously would be the other one. But um, it's very indicative. Like I said, was it la- yeah, last episode, you know, I, I lived in New York for four years. I'm from the Northeast, northern New Jersey. And um, to see that represented so vividly and so respectfully is a real treat. So, yeah, I, I totally agree. And Miles has a African-American dad and his mother is Puerto Rican. And he goes by her last name just so he's not Miles Davis, which – Makes me think of a Bill Madison quote. That's good. That a, I feel like I should recognize that reference, but I don't get it. Okay. <laughs> uh, just being your pants at school, consider me Miles Davis for Bill yeah. Madison. That's right. That's okay. Right. That's why I didn't get the reference. So I haven't seen that movie in years. We'll keep it that way. But I, I, I did laugh my ass off when, when his dad drops him off at school and he goes on the bullhorn. He's like, say, I love you, Miles. Say, I love you. And everyone's just staring at him like that. That was funny. That was a good bit. It's very and, good bet. I, yeah. And for those that listen to the Avengers episode, like I was like, I don't know, like I, I don't always like my humor. For some reason, this humor worked. Like I wasn't upset. I was like, oh, that's a stupid quip. Like this is funny. Like this worked for me. Well, yeah. it fits in. It fits in the world. Like it, yeah, right. it's it fits the in movie. the world, and it fits in the characters. And again, like I said in Avengers, you know, I didn't this time around. I didn't mind the the Joss Whedon um, out of nowhere references and out of nowhere, you know, gags like the Galga gag and all that. It still was charming to me, but I can get it if you don't. Again, that was all the rage, you know, eight years ago. Nowadays, it's gotten dated. Um, all the humor here is completely integrated into those characters, um, and that scene in the cop car is just a really great setup scene for their relationship between uh, the dad and Miles. Where you know, of course, the dad's a cop. You know, he's a good cop, and he sees his son any sort of deviance from the norm, which again, throwing some stickers on a sign in New York is not a big deal. Like, hello, my name is, hey, listen, <laughs> come on. You're not, you're not tagging the empire state building or anything, but any deviance, he sees it like, oh no, 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 you gotta, gotta roll straight, especially with the, um, his relationship with Aaron. Uh, but it's a great setup again, so touching and really very honest. And I also kind of, he makes a comment where he says, um, I only got into the school because of this dumb lottery. That is so, I mean, again, this is a New York thing, but New York um, public schools, you can get into the charter school system, which is state funded and charter schools are like private schools and you can get into by either paying or you can get into a lottery. And a lot of families who live in very poor neighborhoods in New York, in Brooklyn and Queens, they will submit their kids to go through this lottery and this lottery system. If you win, you get to go to the more intense, better school, quote unquote. If you lose, you go to the really bad public school. And there's great schools in New York, but poor areas, socioeconomics. That's just kind of how the world works. Um, so when I when he was just bummed out, he was in this really tough school. And that he probably shouldn't have been in, as we'll see in the next montage. I, it just caught me. Again, that's more personal than anything else. But I was like, yeah, man, because I work in the education industry. So I was like, ooh, you got put into a charter school you are not supposed to be in because your parents want you to be there because 
better life, right? Better school, better education, better life, better college, better than what I have. Uh, but sometimes kids just don't belong there and they drown. And man, does this boy drown as we see in the next <laughs> montage. OK, that's cool. I didn't know it was kind of reference to a real thing in New York. Oh, yeah. That, that's again, cool. Yeah. That's a real thing. The lottery, the New York lottery. I, I was confused. I thought, like, well, I didn't get that. Right. It just went right over me. I'm like, OK, whatever. And, I, you know, it keeps going. But that's cool. No, it's based on a real thing. Or oh, it yeah. is a real thing. It is that, a real thing. The first 42 we see in the opening role is the 42 that he uh, is on the ball of the lottery where he won. I didn't catch that. How I funny. saw it. See my brain in the background. Yeah. Didn't make sense of it. There's a there's a there's a, a movie out there that's an excellent documentary on it called Waiting for Superman, and uh, it's a documentary about the. Um, about the charter school system in New York and how it's publicly funded and the lottery system and all that. It's uh, excellent if you want to check it out. Oh, cool. Hey, we learned something new today. Yeah. It's not part of the DC universe. <laughs> no, it is not. Uh, yeah. What's his name? Didn't direct it. Yeah, awful director. Tom Snyder or Zack Snyder. Yeah, Zack Snyder, yeah. Zack Snyder did not direct this touching documentary about kids trying to get into the charter school for a better life. No. No, because they did it would involve monsters and buildings blowing up and... Uh, more like waiting okay. for Superman to be good again. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so like I, I did like the school part when it shows him like we were kind of referencing where he he does he's taking the essay or like he fails the quiz. She's like, you got a zero wrong. That way you knew what the right answers were and then wrote the wrong one to give him a hundred. Like, yeah. I, I thought that was cool. Very cool. Very cool. Again, showing his intelligence. He's actually a smart kid. He just doesn't want to be there. He wants to be back with his friends, which is, you know, we all know that. We were in high school and middle school. He's middle school, I guess, at this point. But no, high school. High school. Um, he, yeah, sometimes it's all about where you're at, right? And making the best of it and having those friends and those connections. That's just as important as, you know, knowing how to, you know, divide a polynomial, right? It's, it's no equally important. I don't. I don't either. I think I just made a word up. That's fine. <laughs> I was like, what are you talking about? <laughs> I, and I also like when they introduce because um, I mean, I because I I knew who the characters were when they first introduced uh, Guan. Where like I like the joke when he comes in where he's late to the class and and she and he he quotes Einstein something about where time is just rel is relativity. <laughs> and I I don't have the quote pulled up in front of me unfortunately, but it, it did make me laugh. And I like how it introduces the, his friend in the school. And then when he finally gets her name, she's like, uh, Gwanda, I'm from South America. Or not South America, South Very Africa. He says the time is relative. Maybe he's not late. Everyone else is early. And then he's just <laughs> met with dead silence until Quinn has to laugh at how awkward the situation is. Uh, it was funny. I also like how they don't introduce her as Spider-Gwen right away. Like when he first, when he, or not even Gwen Stacy, he's just like, oh, my name is Gwanda. Like she just comes up with some other name. And I'm like, that's weird. That's Gwen Stacy. Like, that's Spider-Gwen. And my wife's like, why did she not just say that she's Gwen? I said, well, she knows she's in another universe. There's very well another Gwen Stacy walking around here. Yep. Might throw up some some red flags to someone. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. 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 All of that was all of that made me just made me laugh. Like I, I, I got into this movie right away and I was like, OK, I'm all right with yeah. this. It's nice to sure. be enjoying myself right off the bat. And. And then I do like it when you when you meet the uncle like in I want to say in the comics, the uncle also plays a part in the ultimate world. But I can't remember exactly. But I think he kind of he, he is in there like that. That wasn't where the where the story goes wasn't too far off what happens in the comics. I, I, I think, unfortunately, I never read any of the ultimate Spider-Man stuff because I don't care about ultimate world. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Peter, like would you? Yeah. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, man. Oh, no, you're good. I had enough to say. No, I just want Peter to jump in on this bit again because I know you're a super fan. 
Well, everyone's a super fan. I'm a super fan now. What are we talking about? <laughs> I think awkward teenage or awkward teenage humor is pretty hilarious. And so <laughs> I the introductions of the, uh, you know, the introduction to school stuff is was very funny for me, too. Um, I, I like that in Far From Home. Oh, not Far From Home. What was the other one? Homecoming. Homecoming. And it was like it's like a little bit younger version of Homecoming where, you know, our, our heroes are just awkward kids and they can't quite can't quite fit in and they can't quite make can't quite seem uh you know competent right away but it it just works for me it works yeah and it lends itself to growth right and that allows yeah. us you know later on yeah, as the movie progresses he's gonna grow and he's gonna learn and he's gonna right. turn super awesome as opposed to just heart awesome he's gonna become competent yeah yeah competent i yeah that's what this whole movie is doing. Like, all, I mean, now that we're talking about it too, like every little scene is just about him growing as a character and showing, like, when, you, when like I was saying before, he runs into his uncle and his uncle's like, hey, let's go. Uh, I got an area for you to go take when I was doing some construction work. And he brings him down to the subway. But it's all, I mean, that's just moving the plot. But it also does feel like, you know, development for the character where he's just like, man, I, I got to study. I got to do this. And he's like, yeah, hey, come on. You don't yeah. need to answer that phone call from your dad. Like, you can kind of see how his uncle isn't the best influence, but at the same time, he still, he cares about his, his nephew a lot. Like, I, I thought that yeah. was cool. Yeah, he's he's the, the way I read that is, and again, this is such important, and this is just masterful, masterful character development, because it, it, and when you're, you know, in, in movies, every scene should do something. There should be no wasted time in the scene. It should be always doing something. Developing character is a moving plot. That's always, keep keep the train rolling. And what this is doing is is both because not only is it setting up them going into the train, into the subway tunnel, into this abandoned, um, you know, abandoned amphitheater, which there are in New York. Those do exist. That's normal. Oh, yeah, that exists. You know, you can't I don't think you can really just walk into them. They're usually blocked off. And <laughs> but they they are things that actually do exist um, in the underground tunnels. They're you know built in the 1950s and 40s. And they used to build these large things, and there's a lot of abandoned subway lines that that just go nowhere. And there are that is an actual thing. But um, what it does in this scene, it's he's you know Aaron is the father figure Miles wants, um, and he's not getting from his dad, which is why he's so attracted to him. And Aaron cares. He encourages him in the things he loves to do. He's like, yeah, let's do some artwork. Yeah, let's do that. And and all young men, boys, and girls too, but all boys really want from their dads for their dad to respect them and for their dad to be appreciative of the things they have because dads are heroes to young kids. You know, your, your dad's your hero, right? And if your dad's not interested, that's just soul crushing. And that's why he goes to this somewhat shady guy, his shady uncle, but you know, the cool <laughs> uncle who really is into like, man, that's a cool drawing. Let's go do this thing and forget about your test. You know, there are other experiences in life than academics and, again, factoring polynomials. So <laughs> I love it. And it just establishes a, the vibe between the dad and Miles and the connection between Aaron, which sets up. And let me just say this now because I'm going to say this over and over. The beauty of this movie is everything pays off. Everything pays yep. off in the end from and I will point out these moments multiple times. And that is a treat and a joy when those things connect. When things connect in films, it is a joy. That's why Parasite is a joy, which I saw a few weeks ago. That's why, and that's why this is a joy. So that's my that's my overriding theme. I've said it once. Prepare to hear it multiple times. <laughs> I apologize. But I, I I did like where you have him spray painting and like kind of they do that where his, he stands up and his uncle spray paints around him too. And like when I saw the spider first crawl on him, I'm like, oh, he's gonna get bit. He's gonna get bit. And and I was like, kind of like some kind of cool scene. And it was still cool and but very 
I was like a big scene. It's just the spider bites him on the hand. He looks at it. You see the venom inject and he just flicks it off him, which makes sense. Cause that's what you would do. You wouldn't be like, oh, my God. You just be, oh, flick. OK, we're done. Let's go. So virtue expectations. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it yeah. really did. That's great. You know, I'm trying to remember the other spider biting scenes. You don't need to remember. And Toby, the Kobe Maguire ones, I think it was much more dramatic. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. It's all it's extremely dramatic. The big music. Well, I think this one, too, they kind of do that. I don't think the Tobey Maguire one was all that big a deal. Like it was very dramatic for you know the spider launching his fangs into his flesh, and then he kind of just wipes it off, and that's the end of it. Uh, but still, this one again, because you know what's supposed to happen, right. um, it, the fact that it just doesn't happen right away and happens in very small increments. It is very Spider-Man um, that, and in that origin story, but uh, again, just the just the, the yeah just the way they handle it is is very very cool uh, that they do that. I, I, I liked it. And I, I love it sure. when, you know, he starts, he gets his power. He doesn't really understand them. Like you show him sleeping throughout the entire night while his roommate, I was really confused. I didn't realize he lived in a dorm. And I'm like, who the hell is this random guy in his room? Cause I had not paying enough attention or something. And you have it where you know, he's sleeping, but then he gets up and his pants like my pants don't fit anymore. It's like, <laughs> like, I need new pants. And Very good. Like, puberty. God, that was hilarious. You keep saying like I hear people like, why did I say that? I, I, and he's talking to to Gwen. He doesn't, you know, as he knows, like, or I think this is maybe when you introduce her name. Yeah. And he tries to. I did laugh when he does the stupid the hand on the shoulder thing his uncle talked about in the earlier scene. <laughs> Very he's like, good. Put your yeah, hand on your shoulder and say, "Hey." So cringe about the holder touch because that comes back around too. Oh, yeah. Like Bill said, everything comes back around. Yeah, it's so good. Even like when he has the powers and he gets his and he gets his hand stuck on her hair and he can't pull out. He's trying to. It looks like he's grabbing her by the hair. He's like, she's like, let go. He's like, I can't. I can't. Like it's great. Like I, I was expecting him to get in trouble or something, not just them to go into the, into the medical room or the nurses, nurses, nurses' office, and he just shave off part of her head to get the hair off and it, it works like it's funny it looks cool it it completely works for the character and, and again it all pays off and we can hand wave the the comic book feel now where half the actions are in comic book panels and and labels on the on the screen that's happening at this point right i'm trying yeah, to remember. it doesn't start until he gets bit by the spider and then he's right yeah and the the thought bubbles and the word boxes floating around well and and it's it never confuses- implied that he sees them but yeah we see them Right. And now we're kind of getting confused because we know things are changing from second to second as opposed to just being shown, OK, sticky hand, OK, pants. We're, we're seeing this escalation of something either wrong or right, but this change of escalation and it's just our brain goes, what is this? What's going on? At least my brain did because I hadn't. This is the first time I saw it last night. <laughs> and it's just it's just this escalation of things happening and it's it's really engaging and um, even more so than obviously the things that have to happen, like the hair sticking and the to show the the growing of the powers and the abilities, because we do know he's becoming Spider-Man. Like, that's not a big surprise. How this is happening is the surprise. It, it really grabbed me, though. Like, I was surprised how, how I was really getting into this movie, like right off the bat. I was like, OK, this is this is fun. This is funny. This is good. So I, I was surprised. And then I want to say, I do like that part when you have, is he's running, he's running for, around kind of, you know, scared because of his power. He runs to the guard. He's like, I know you stuck out last night. <laughs> like, you know, I'm normally not into a lot of humor, but it was, it was like, that was funny. He's running around and he runs to the guy's office. 
he accidentally runs into the security guy's office, which is which is funny. And then he starts playing the Spider-Man like Christmas so- song or something that the guy had on his mm-hmm. computer. And I, I didn't I get laughed. that reference. I didn't get that reference at all. It was it's one of the things that Peter says at the beginning. He's like, I put out a Christmas album and then that kind of comes back around. No, oh, that's right. That that's mm-hmm. their oh, see paying off. Sorry, guys. You have to hear you have to deal with that for the next hour and a half. You just need to see so. the movie more. Yeah, really. You just need to read all the comics and then see the movie again. And then you'll have a better understanding. It only yeah, takes you know, 10 years. Yeah, sorry. I'd like to read the comics now. I don't I'm not a comic book reader. I, I really yeah, I most I ever did with comics was in high school. I had friends who were into them, so I used to hang out at the comic book store and kind of look around and pretend I was like, oh, this is cool. Yeah, that's about it. So, yeah, I'd actually like to read this comic book story. Yeah. Yeah, I suppose it's worth mentioning that the End of the Spider-Verse is based on a comic art of the same name. It's all about the Spider-Verse and multiple Spider-Man coming together to take on a common threat. 2015, it came out. Yeah. (laughs) I read it. It's actually pretty good. Yeah. It's probably going to be on this show, too. So, But that's not here right now. (laughs) But. It, it I was like I I enjoyed it. I thought everything was hilarious. Him running on the outside of the building because he can't control his powers. He's just sticking to everything. And then when he finally gets back to his room at his parents' house, and the comic falls on him, the Spider-Man comic. Which for those that don't know, that was the first appearance of Spider-Man, but it was a reprint version of it. Like the top little like yellow thing or color was represented. It was a reprint that came out. That that made me laugh too. Huh. Because they wanted like he doesn't have the comic from the 1960s. No, he has a reprint of this or something, but it it was the same comic. Yeah, it, instead of Amazing Spider-Man, well, I guess it would have been Amazing Stories then. But uh, all the Spider-Man comics are tales tales in the life of Spider-Man to show that it's a a different universe. It was cool. <laughs> yeah, and just yeah. One other thing too, I I really like about this opening scene or this this initial conflict of him as. You know, junior, junior, junior Spider-Man, you know, you know, Spider-Man version one in his in his world that is escalating. It's it's low stakes. And, and that's really great. He's not running from a train. He's not running from um, cars. He's not running from the cops. He's running from some doofy security guard who likes the Spider-Man Christmas song. <laughs> and it's good. It leads us in. So it's low stakes, but there's still enough stakes for him. Right. He's a high school kid. He doesn't want to get caught by the, by the security guard. He's probably tangled with him before tagging stuff, I'm assuming. So nice low stakes chase. We get to see him do a little intro Spider-Man stuff. The, the the sticking everywhere is really good because that brings to my mind like, yeah, how do you unstick? Like, if you have sticky <laughs> hands, how do you stick and unstick? Yeah, you sing a um, song, apparently. You, you, gotta gotta relax. Relax. <laughs> you just relax but, and chill which out. Is what, uh, thing- when he's stuck to Gwen's hair, she tells him that, too. He's like, you need to relax, she Miles. Does, that's right. Just relax. Mm-hmm. Oh, I didn't catch that. Wow. She would know. Uh, listen, oh. I saw this last night. My plan was to see it the night before. I guess I should have seen this twice. And I will see this <laughs> twice. This will be fun. Yeah, I, I actually I, might I, let my kid watch it. He loves Spider-Man. He's four, but he has no idea who he is. This will be a good one for him. Sure. Oh, He'll yeah. never sleep again. But that's fine. Actually, yeah, he's going to love Spider-Ham. What's that? He's going to love Spider-Ham. Yeah, <laughs> Spider Ham. You know, I know. I have I have a uh, a friend who showed uh, showed this to his kid, and there was like a Spider Man cartoon on the DVD, and like the kid wanted to watch it over and over and over again. So oh, nice. Okay, get ready for that if you do. It. All right, yeah. I'm gonna have to think about this now because <laughs> it's, it's okay. kind of painful too. Like oh, it's got it? its moments, but it's it definitely harkens back to old style Looney Tunes, and it's, it's kind of painful. All right, I got PBS kids constantly in my brain, so I don't know if I need another another. I just have I have more kids shows shouting 
kids. I now this is a diversion. Kids shows. I dis- I discovered why I can't stand children's shows for the most part. They're all at the same volume and it's extremely loud. Everyone is shouting. Teamwork. What's gonna work? You get what that's from? Maybe. No, oh, I don't okay. want to know. <laughs> I'm gonna guess backyardigans. No, no, I can stick a backyardigan song, but I'm not going to on here. <laughs> maybe I will. Uh, maybe at the end. But no, it's from uh, God. I can't. It had a duck, a turtle, and a hamster. I can't remember the show though. Is that no, not backyardigans? It's not backyardigans. That's a kangaroo, a moose, a penguin, <laughs> a hippo, and oh, I'm missing that... one. I can't remember. Is that that stupid one where they're in the spaceship and they kind of fly around this dumb spaceship and do stupid things? Oh, no. That's another one. are a bunch of kids that go out uh, and do Claymation. It's good. it's good cartoon. It is definitely what I was thinking of, though. So None of this is making a show. Don't worry about Spider-Man. it. You can, you can so, jump back in later when we start talking uh, about Spider-Man. <laughs> I like it when he jumped, when he, and then, it, you know, because, you know, he doesn't really know what to do. So he ends, well, which makes sense after he finds the comic and realizes, hey, I have spider powers. He ends up heading to the subway to go find the spider that you know that bit him and he flicked off and my wife's like how the hell is he gonna find that spider and of course he finds it immediately because you know his comic book movie but (laughs) that body wouldn't be there anymore because i'm sure a bug or something would have carried off that dead body a a while ago but i mean it's you you find the spider and this also leads into when you first see the 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 regular the peter parker spider-man fighting the green goblin which it, I mean, my wife looked at me and said, why did the Green Goblin look like that? I'm like, well, and in the Ultimate Universe, they did things differently, which is what this is loosely based on. And all they took all the villains they made. For some reason, they made Green Goblin like a big monster. Normally, he's like, let's say here, 10 foot, 10 foot, you know, t- tall, big muscular monster, but not like what you have in this where he's like, a, you know, two stories tall creature. Mm-hmm. Normally, he's just a guy in a costume. This this time he actually mutates into this big hulking beast. Yeah, I, 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 I have a soft spot for the stupid Green Goblin guy wearing a <laughs> Halloween costume looking thing. I, but, and, on, and on a space sled. Yeah, that guy. <laughs> yeah, I do. I, I like classic Green Goblin, just, but I also really like the armor in the original Spider-Man movie. So I got that. Was awesome. That was Willem Dafoe in the original one, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. OK, see anything Willem Dafoe I'm I'm here for. I just so <laughs> just sign me up for that man. But it was really cool watching them fight like it was. It was an awesome scene, like with and I and I like seeing this different take on Green Goblin. Now it made more sense. I've seen the Funko Pop all over at the stores, but I'm like, what the fuck does he have that stupid hat on? He doesn't. But now I understand. There you it go. wasn't. That's what he looks like in this movie. It was cool. I mean, it, this is when the stakes start getting high. Like this is like you you have them fighting. You have the collider gets. I want to say the collider gets turned on, or at least partly turned on, mm-hmm. and. Peter Parker, who's been Spider-Man at this point for years, ends up getting all fucked up. He falls. He's buried under concrete. And I think Goblin either disappears or Goblin's gone. You don't see him again in this movie. I I don't remember what happened to him. No. No, So the player does get turned on and Goblin kind of dips Peter into it. Okay. And it ends up having a chain reaction. The whole thing explodes. And then you kind of see it pans down. You see Goblin's leg like sticking up out of the debris. I guess it implies he's dead. Oh, okay. Okay. I was curious. Yeah. And then it shows Peter under the rubble, like you said. Oh, and a fun fact that nobody asked for in the Peter Parker, the spectacular spider ham book, Norman Osborn is a turkey and he calls himself the green gobbler. <laughs> yeah. No, not here for that. I, don't, okay, I want nothing to do with this at all. <laughs> no, that's the tip of the iceberg if you're for the animal puns. That stuff They're gets fun. weird. Okay. I, I think it is. I think it is worth dining on that first fight scene. Peter, what did you think about that? That initial fight scene. I was. I want to say something else. I was gonna say that when uh, when Kingpin comes on, I I love the design of Kingpin, and I I guess 
just googling images like i suppose in the comic books he looks kind of like that but in this movie he's it's a little bit more exaggerated kind of grotesque image almost like something from the dick tracy movie or dick tracy yeah. comic books mm-hmm. he's got like that little head and the big it's it's such an imposing uh image yeah, I, in the, I, yeah go ahead, sorry yeah it's, it's such it's such an imposing and it, it just makes for a stark villain and you know every, every time he was on screen i was like i just kept saying to myself you know that that's a good character design that's like a classic comic book design right there yeah so. it's it's interesting if that was dick tracy his name would be chest head yeah uh, i'd be super into <laughs> chest head I, don't know, I, I i'm super yeah i'm down for that yeah, we were watching it uh, three nights ago, and my wife's like, why do they design him like that? I said, well, I think part of it's just to be this big, imposing villain. And I said, they also really like the shot of just his head in the middle of a black void. Because mm-hmm. it's yeah. such an intimidating shot. And I guess, the uh, listen to the commentary, they said they basically wanted him to be like the embodiment of a black hole, like he's essentially about to create. So I think they succeed in that. That makes sense. Yeah, yeah, that's actually really, really deep. That's really cool. Yeah, I just like, again, little head and a big body, big punchy man. That's all I thought. I, and again, not knowing the not knowing the comics, I just put, you know, like big punchy man in my notes. And and then someone will say Kingpin like, oh, that's right. I've heard that name before. OK, I did mean, they yeah. ever do King? Did they ever do Kingpin in the original Spider-Man trilogy or? Well, geez, how many Spider-Man trilogies were there? Or uh, no, he was in the Daredevil 2004 movie. Okay, I never saw that. He's also that. in the Daredevil season one. Um, Kingpin re- first appearance is in a Spider-Man comic, but they kind of since he's more of a he he he's just like a New York villain. But yeah. since he's more human, they usually have him fight Daredevil and other characters that don't have as much superpowers where Spider-Man does. But in the in a, in some iterations like in this one, you have him as a just a super powerful monster almost. Like where you after you have Miles and Peter talking, you have Kingpin just beat the hell out of Spider-Man and kill him by punching him. I mean, that was brutal. Brutal to me. I was like, I mean, that's what this movie gets. Like, I mean, they do it off screen. Like, you don't see it, but you know what happens. And it, it is. I was like, okay, this, that's intense. This movie got this real. This is a PG kids movie, too. You just <laughs> whomps him one to death. <laughs> yeah, it was it was good, though. It, 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 it hit me. I'm like, oh, like, this is this is not what I was expecting. And then when Miles goes to escape, because he's because originally he's just going to take the little thing and shot off the collider, but he ends up making noise because he's kid doesn't really know his powers or know what he's doing. And I like how they're like, there's someone else here. Go get him. And they send the Prowler. I always have liked the Prowler. For those that don't know, Prowler is like in, in most, not in this version as much. This version kind of like has like not maybe cybernetic or enhancements. He robotic androidish. I don't know what word am I looking for. Yeah, it's it's all know. just kind of armor. Futuristic. He's got he's got gauntlets. He's got an enhanced hood to give some different vision augmentations. So uh, yeah. Normally he's not like that. Normally he's just at least the crawler I'm used to. He's a guy in a purple cape that has like gauntlet guns and a cool mask. Yeah, more like a Batman kind of thing. Yeah, it that's a good way to put it. He, he, I mean, he is an old villain. He is from 1969, so he's been around for a while. But it was cool to see him in this, and it was, it was. I, I love that whole everything that happened in, yeah. in this. He's it's... also in Spider-Man: Homecoming, kind of in a very oh, small okay. scene. Oh yeah, you see Hobie Brown in the yeah one of the the newscasters on the high school talk morning news not wow no. I, didn't, I didn't even catch that in was spider-man it? homecoming it's donald glover oh oh yeah who's aaron davis there yeah i thought you meant the original prowler hobie brown oh i don't know but <laughs> and marshala ali did the voiceover for prowler in this movie by the way for those he was from house of cards and many other movies he's gonna be blade soon too 
he was also oh, in um oh moonlight right yeah You're right yeah. he's a moonlight he's a great actor oh phenomenal he, didn't you win an oscar i'm pretty sure you, you won an oscar for moonlight and for green room oh he's also luke yeah. cage in the the netflix series he's okay. he's in the it's show. such He's oh, such thought, a good oh, cast. I can't yeah. read. Don't worry about me. The <laughs> cast is phenomenal. Yeah, Peter, thanks for yeah. That cast is is yeah. outstanding. Yeah, They're, yeah. I mean, just like the you know, I, I'm trying to remember their name, but whoever does Miles Morales, all the actors and Haley Steinfeld, Herschel Ali, all the voices, and then you know, people will talk about later um, when the other Spider Verse people <laughs> appear. But they just got the right people to do all these voices. Yeah, and Haley Seinfeld, a little trivia, trivia-esque, uh, she was nominated for an Academy Award in 2010 for True Grit, oh, nice. which she is fantastic in. She is She's so also good. rumored to be Kate Bishop in the upcoming Hawkeye Disney Plus series. All right. Yeah, when's that Should coming? Awesome. Yeah, well. I won't be watching that. We establish how much I don't like Hawkeye, so just forget okay, it. We'll definitely be on this show. We get yeah. there someday. <laughs> so, and I like it how, like, which makes sense. Being a kid that has power, he doesn't know what to do. Is being chased by people trying to kill him. He runs back to his to his room, and I couldn't remember which room he runs into, but that doesn't matter too much. The part that did crack me up shortly after this is when he goes to the mask shop because he wants to buy a Spider Man mask because he now has spider powers. And Stan Lee's there, he's like, I knew Peter Parker. Love and it. And he sells him the mask. He's like, it'll eventually fit. And then he points to the sign, and it says, no refunds, no matter what. <laughs> That was Do we know who did the voice for Stanley? Because I know he it, died. It was him. It was it one was of the last him. ones. Wow. Yeah, this this okay. one, like I've seen this movie probably a dozen times, and that scene still <laughs> wow. still hits. Hits yeah. real hard every time. Because his first words out of his mouth is, I'm gonna miss him. Oh, oh Stan. Because yeah, uh, when Miles runs, he runs back home, and then you see his parents watching the news talking about peter's death and it's just like this big event where it pans over new york and everyone's got their cell phone out watching the news wow. feed <laughs> it's really touching yeah it just it was it was good and like mj's whole speech where he ends up he ends up running too and where all the other people all the other people dressed up as spider-man and wearing masks and everything and she's talking about how what peter did i thought that was very cool to see how now that he's died and they know who he was even though they think he died in an earthquake and not <laughs> what really happened it was very very like powerful moment it kind of it hits too it hit me a little like as she's talking about how you know how he was and how he just wanted to help people and i i really like that part i like mj in general so so christian dunn's not as much at, at, at yeah anymore. well she spends yeah. half the movie screaming so it's fine uh yeah peter what did you think of the uh of this whole section here and how do you think the that whole death scene was handled because they was very very well done yeah very moving you got to just get in the universe of superhero movies where, you know, these are all real people and they're all, um, you know, a superhero is like a big large and life figure in these movies. Um, and so to see like the, the, the following of people, everybody's wearing the mask at the, um, to, to see that is just, it builds an emotional connection because you say to yourself, you know, this is not just a comic book figure to these people in this universe. It's a real person who means something to them and i just yeah yeah i'm not I, I, yeah I, i'm just trying to i'm trying to think back to the movie because it's been a little while since i've seen it but i i um yeah it's a very I interesting feel for it yeah no you do and you because because again based on the reaction of everybody around it's i think it's really great he's a known figure yeah like he's a known he's not like in the shadows you know or like right. he he's taking he's fighting you know he's saving the day and he's probably obviously again you don't know 
you know, they don't know he was destroyed by a giant monster with a circle head, but he, so he was like, you know, destroyed, you know, killed in the rubble of the earthquake. But to have that kind of impact, he was probably doing little stuff like you see in Homecoming, where he's just kind of helping out the neighborhood, right. which is awesome. Small scale, but big impact. Right. And that's that's sometimes I think it's great when movies do that. And yeah, it's just it's extremely touching. And we only we only know Spider-Man, this Peter Parker, for what? Maybe three minutes. Like we've had maybe two scenes with him, but we can already feel that how much they care. It's really great. Because we kind of skipped over the scene right before he dies. He meets up with Miles and their spider sense is kind of like harmonized together. They sync up. He's like, wow, you're like me. It's like, well, if you stick around, I can show you the ropes. Like he just wants to help him. So he doesn't have to go through it by himself like Peter did the first time. He just wants to help. And MJ keeps bringing that up too during her speech. Yeah, which plays such a big part in it, like the fact that, you know, you know, he meets this mentor figure right before he and he's going to help him. Then he dies immediately after it. And it it, that's powerful. Miles sees it. Miles watches him die. So how old is he? Yeah. How old is he? What, 13, 14? I mean, he's a I don't know how old he is in high school, but it's man. Yeah. Imagine meeting. Imagine having these things you don't understand, these powers you don't get that you didn't ask for. Never asked for this. Finally meeting the person who can actually help you figure it out. And boom, they're crushed under a, a pile of rubble. Like, golly, that's just then, brutal. And all those villains are not your villains. You have no <laughs> way to defend yourself. Yeah, that's a very <sighs> accurate way to put it. I, you know, it, it got me. I did laugh my ass off when, so right after you have MJ's speech where he climbs up the building and he looks like he's about to jump. All I could think of was Matrix. That's all that came in my head. He goes <laughs> top building, goes, nope. But you just see another scene of him running, walking all down the stairs, looking at the building, goes up and he goes up the lower building and tries to do it. <laughs> it's great. Yeah, that was, that was that was my favorite. Trap music building up and then it just cuts out to him running down the stairs again. <laughs> <laughs> and yet another payoff of the untied shoe. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. We didn't even touch that. I forgot about the untied shoe. Yeah, we've seen him trip over it once before when he ends up in front of Jefferson Davis's cop car at the beginning. And then when he's going to the school, his dad tells him to tie it. And immediately after, a girl says, your shoe is untied. He's like, I know. It's a choice. Because, again, the scene of the cop car where he's saying he doesn't feel like he has a choice about the school and then he... Pretty much any direction his life's going, his dad tells him he doesn't have a choice. So leaving that shoe untied is the one decision he can make on his own. That's why he keeps good. He keeps saying it's a choice. And it causes him to it causes him to plummet from a building. Oh, that's why he falls. Yeah, he trips over his own shoe. Yeah, okay, I didn't catch that. Then he knocks off the numbers on the building on the way down and lays in between a forty-two. Nah, I didn't catch that either. That's right. Okay, that is cool. Yeah. Man, I, I only watched this movie once, unfortunately. Yeah. I, I need to and, watch it again. And in the and in the and in the process, uh, we didn't mention that uh, uh, Spider-Man, a current Spider-Man, gives him that USB stick to t- shut down the collider, and he the breaks goober. it in the that uh, the goober. That's what it was, yeah. And uh, the goober will refer to it as that from now on. And uh, he breaks it in his fall. So now, as a viewer, you're like, all right, what is this kid gonna do? Like, it really does seem hopeless. And again, as a viewer, I'm like, all right, his MacGuffin is broke. Uh, you don't know how to jump. He's not very good at the Spider-Man thing. I assume he'll get better, but I'm really curious how. And man, I'm I'm already hooked at this point, but now I'm super duper hooked. I mean, like, he's ready to give up. Like hey, he done. goes, like, he right. goes to the grave. He's like, I don't think I can do. I promised you, but I don't think I can do it. It's like I broke that. I broke that thing you gave me, which is a super cool shot when he lands on the ground and then like 
zooms in, shows an outline of the the goober shattering. Yep. More artistic brilliance in this movie. Yep. Yeah, the the art and the, or the just the animation in this movie is amazing. Like we haven't gotten so there yet, but it is colorful amazing. and vibrant. Yeah. <clears throat> the colors really got me, and I, when I saw it for the first time in the theaters, I was saying, saying to myself, "This is a movie that I'll have to get on Blu-ray, and I'll have to make sure to like watch in the best quality format because you need to see that to see all the designs and the vibrant colors and Absolutely. just the pastiche of amazingness." I think not since Speed Racer has been there such a colorful movie. <laughs> the last yeah, time I mean, you mentioned that movie. <laughs> Yeah, I love that movie. Which one? The uh, speed, the oh, speed live racer? action speed racer movie. Never saw it. Never oh, saw it either. Huh. Well, that could be another one for the show. Just yes. saying. <laughs> well, there's a lot of pick more franchises. I guess it's comic book related, sort of. No, the <laughs> color palette, the color palette in this is just, I mean, like I said, it's just this giant rainbow and it's these explosions of, of color. And it's not even the sketching out and not even the, the, the glitching. It's just the choices are so good. It's not this overbearing, just rainbow fest of, yeah, exploding light. You know, when it's muted and somber, it's, it's you know, the low tones are really great. And then when it's when the action is fl- flying around, it's just vibrant. And that's one of some of the great things about animation. You can do that in an animated film. You really can't do that in a live action. It has to be somewhat grounded somewhere. And um, just all those sharp edges of, of light and color are just, yeah, gorgeous. That's gorgeous. They find a good way to make it work in this movie. And it, especially it, it's towards impressive. the end. I mean, especially oh, yeah. towards the end. It actually looks like, you know, when we, we haven't talked too much about the collider yet. When those, when it's firing off and, well, you know, colliding, it <laughs> looks like comic book, comic books, comic book colors just colliding, exploding and fracturing and just going everywhere. Um, and it's gorgeous. It actually looks like a comic book when when you're in that realm, especially towards the end when you're when it's actually enveloping Brooklyn. And you have the trains and the buses and well, yeah, it's awesome. glorious. It's glorious. Man, I just treat. Anyway, I, I think that's I think it's one reason that um, it was a critical success is that people were glad it wasn't the same kind of format as the Marvel movies had taken on. Um, no, it was, it, was it was not. You know, it was a new style. It was inventive. It was fresh. It was it was something new. Yeah, and it's one of the big reasons I think we're doing it now, as opposed to like when it was actually released. Um, a because we all want to watch it and see it and talk about it because it's great. Um, but also, it doesn't quite fit into the Marvel universe, and that's a good thing. It, it, this is not technically part of the MCU, not right? right? No, right? Yeah, this is a Sony movie. Yeah. Oh, there you go. Of course, it's Sony. I saw it on the headphones, but uh, <laughs> and a couple other times. Again, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm just sensitive to product placement. But um, yeah, this is something on its own. It's unique. It's great, and it's just glorious. I keep we keep gushing like we're at the end, but we got a lot more to do. Yeah. So we're at this the cemetery where you have yeah. Peter B. Parker shows up, and like the first scene you see him, he walks up to to Miles Morales, touches, and then Miles Morales ends up. He, I think he touched him or said something, but Miles ends up shocking him with his power and he yeah. doesn't even know he has yet, which is hilarious when he shocks him. And then you have the whole then you have part of uh, his intro, Peter B's intro, which is which is interesting. Like, I I like it how you have an older Spider-Man who's been Spider-Man now for like 20 some years and yeah. he's lost, you know, him and MJ had broken up and he's fought all these villains. He's kind of oh, he's a little more overweight. He's like, yeah, I don't really care, which is also where in the comics there is a Spider-Man that is kind of like that later on where things have kind of not gone so well. Like I, it was a reference to that and it was, and I liked all that. And I also love the part where he ends up, he shocks him and then he gets attached by the, by the thread or the Spider-Man 
thread, but I love how it's also it's like it's supposed to be. It's, you know, the, the machine he made on his hand, not freaking organic spider web popping out of his wrist. Fucking Spider-Man, Tobey Maguire movie. But <laughs> uh, I don't like that. It's not in the comics. And I mean, it's funny. They're like, they're like, drop the, they're like, you know, he and the, the cops end up approaching him. He ends up picking up the body. They think he's dead. And he's running away. They're like, hey, we have a we have a guy running around with a with a dead hobo body or something. Like, it's just funny. It's again another slightly we're elevating the stakes. Now he's running from cops. He's got dead Peter, or we think dead. You know, he's not dead, obviously, but you know, unconscious Peter on his shoulder, and it's extremely funny the dragging his face on the ground as he's trying to dodge the cars <laughs> it's hilarious it is extraordinarily funny but again now we're in a situation we have slightly higher stakes him doing some action as he grows the stakes increase with him it's, uh, like masterfully he's trying to wake up uh, peter is and he keeps getting hit by things like it is great yeah very funny out loud watching that stuff yeah same i i was I was happy and I was like, okay, this is, this is good. This is very good. Like, and then, you know, when they finally do get, you get, I think is miles house or wherever the hell they end up to. And that's when you see them, he ties up Peter B. Parker to a punchy bake to try to get more information. Like, who are you? How are you here? And he's like, you know, Peter died. Like, but you look just like him, but older and a little more in the gut or something like they make. Re- like, it's funny. It's like a different shape. Pretty sure you just called me fat. <laughs> I think he's actually in Aaron's apartment. Oh, I think you're Pretty right. Sure. Yeah. Yes. So that's he knows the, Aaron's that's out of town. Yeah, and that's what he's trying to bag. call him. Yeah, right. He's out of town. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, the punchy bag. Yeah. He's out of town. Paying off. Paying off. Oh, yeah. <laughs> they do a lot of that in this movie. Like, everything pays off. Which is Why? Nice. It's good. It's, it's, it's all the Legos clicking together. It's great. No, I, I, I cracked up. And I, I after they talk, and you finally, you know, he's trying to convince him to let him help him. Because he, you know, he got to close the collider, and Peter Park, Peter B. Park was trying to get home, and I love the part. He's like, first, they have something very important to do, and it, it goes to a scene of them eating, a, of him eating burgers. They had to go stop at some burger joint, and he's like, man, in my world, this thing closed like ten years ago. And he's just <laughs> burgers like that. That was funny. Yeah. That really got me. And again, really cementing character. You know, he's a reluctant mentor. He doesn't want to be. He's jaded. He's over the Spider-Man thing. Uh, Jake Johnson plays Peter, uh, Peter B. Uh, he's from a uh, new girl originally and he's a very very funny guy um so he does a great job and chris pine plays original peter parker i didn't realize that for a very small amount of time yes very small amount of time but I, i'm into that uh he does a great job and again it's we're cementing this kind of hey help me relationship and he's like no and actually probably because of his life experience saying almost saying you don't want this you don't want to go through this look what happened to me i'm just kind of jaded and beaten down by life which in that opening intro, intro to his character is really touching. And it was really, again, that concept of a you know guy going through a divorce, small apartment, you know. He says, I'm adjusting fine. <laughs> he's super, <laughs> he's super not. crying in the shower. Yeah, he's crying <laughs> in the shower in his Spider-Man uniform. So good. That was great. Because that is kind of true to the comic. There is a, I, I am pretty sure that like in that, in the future there, things don't always go so good for Spider-Man. I mean, that's very common idea that, you know, because he puts Spider-Man first in his life and it affects his personal life a lot, which makes sense. Yeah, and it's a self-centered thing. Peter, Peter B. is now like, hey, I'm, I'm just going to go to Collider. I'm going to get back to my universe. Later. See ya. All he cares about. And I I want to say Elkamex is also from the comics. Is a, I, I, again, another payoff scene. Like earlier when Miles is in school, they talk about some smart stuff. I don't remember exactly. But the the woman on there, like he it ends up talking about dimensions or something. And he he remembers that. He's like, hey, we go to Elkamex. That's where that lady was. I, you know, and it again, paying off a scene that you weren't really planning on paying off. Like it, but it, it ends up connecting to move the plot. It, it's good. Like it, it's like everything in this movie 
they they make sure it pays off. They make sure it works. They don't just throw in stupid things for no reason. Yeah, that's nice. So Alchemex is from originally from Spider-Man 2099, and then it kind of got a earlier shot later oh, okay. on in the comics. That's what but I recognize it from. When he uh, sneaks into the classroom and they have the film strip playing, it's actually the doctor lady on the the film that they're watching. And Miles kind of stands in the way to cover up her last name, which is another payoff later on. It shows in the bottom corner, it says Dr. Olivia, and you can't make out the last name. <laughs> I, didn't, I that did one. not see that coming. Like you, it's it, it still a little bit ways but as they go in alchemax and they end up they end up breaking into it they get in the place and they're trying to hack in the computer which again more hilariously but i, I did love the part when they, they're in a vent they get out of the vent and you know they're the 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 doctor and kingpin are in a different room talking out right outside this hall right outside the office has like a glass type like frosted glass window and he's like Miles, you just need to relax because he's stuck on the scene. He can't let go. So then he starts singing some song to relax. The song it he was, sang at the beginning. It was fucking first, hilarious. Yeah. Like, I normally don't like humor like that, but I was laughing my ass off. He's just I can't remember the song, but he's just singing. You see each finger start to come loose. He just keeps singing and he's singing and then he falls down. Yeah, there's a lot of good bits in this whole um, Alchemex scene. Um, why, why do you think, Mike, that this that you responded to this humor as opposed to like some of the other like, like Avengers? I don't know. Yeah. I think because Avengers was so much more serious to me and so much more like this is this is live action. You have a huge threat coming. The world is going to end. I mean, I know I know this had a world ending type thing, too. But for some reason, it just it just worked. Maybe because I, I I'm trying to think it wasn't like was I not familiar with it? I didn't I never seen this movie before. But I think it just it just fit the movie more for me than Avengers going. Oh, he killed. He killed 30 people. He's adopted. Like it just this worked more for me. OK. Yeah, I think it's like Bill says, where everyone, it all the jokes fit the characters that say them. Nothing's just like, it's not like the Galaga guy where it's just a non sequitur. Like, it didn't need to be there. You could take that out and you wouldn't be losing anything. But all the jokes here, like, add to the characters. Wait till we watch Guardians of the Galaxy 2. Oh. <laughs> I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing that again. I remember really liking it, but um, I'm curious if I like it still. We'll see. Same yeah, reason. We'll see. I'm... Yeah, I know you're not a fan, but um, nope. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I will have to say my favorite bit. There's two favorite bits in there. One is when he can't figure out the password. So he just takes the computer. <laughs> that yeah. is <laughs> extremely clever because that's a great idea. Why am I doing this now? I'll just take the whole thing and with me and just oh, like, kind of work on it. But that right before that, that whole flirting when Peter B. Parker is flirting with the doctor and then he ends up like she. Cause she's like, oh, and then he gets in the chair and everything seems normal. She's like, I can't wait to. And then he's like, she's like, you're gonna die. And she's like, I can't wait to see it. He's like, what? And then I think Miles like, what? And everyone, yeah, it's just, it's great. When he's uh, <laughs> strapped in the chair with the octagonal restraints after Miles is stuck in the octagonal light. I didn't catch that either. And her glasses are octagonal. And he oh, says, man. what's your name again? She says, oh, Doctor Olivia Octavius. Octavius. Yeah. He's like, let me guess. Your friends call you Doc Ock. Actually, my friends call me Liv, but enemies call me Doc Ock. And then we see the arms and oh, it's yeah, awesome. That reveal is wonderful. Yeah, it's great. I did not see that coming at all. And I this is a bet. This is probably one of my favorite versions of Doc Ock now. Like I I was like, OK, this works. This is funny. This is awesome. Like this is better than the old man. Except for Spider-Man 2 is a very good Doc Ock. But I was I was 100 percent on board with this Doc Ock. Like everything about like when they run in the cafeteria, and the guy's like, act normal. 
Act normal and he grabs the bagel. They're like, that's Spider-Man. Get him. All of a sudden, like a chair turns into a gun. I'm like, <laughs> so great. Okay. You stole I'm a bagel. You stole a bagel. That's great. I mean, that's the thing about this movie. Like, you know, even if you're not someone into Spider-Man, like with Peter, like I know you're not, you know, you're not a big comic fan. I'm sure you were laughing your ass off too with the whole, I mean, and you don't have like the same connection with Doc Ock, like, like me or something. Yeah, I was just along for the ride. I knew who Doc Ock was um, just because of Spider-Man too, but I was like, all my knowledge and so it was surprising to me to see see this side character suddenly become this big villain it, it was awesome and then yeah. when like i even like we were saying before he grabs the computer and you have a whole scene of them just running with the computer yeah we can't hack it and then they end up jumping in the woods you have like the scene where P peter is teaching miles how to swing to trees all that was enjoyable and the whole time doc ock's trying to kill him like that was that was great. I love the tentacles on Doc Ock. They look kind of organic-y almost or something, but yeah, or maybe plasticky. I, I don't know what word I'm looking for, they're but they like, look cool as hell. Yeah, they're like pneumatic where it's a air pressure that seems to be controlling them instead of being mechanical, like classic right. Doc Ock. Yeah, I, I'm 100. I'm 100 on board with this Doc Ock. This can always be the Doc Ock. I'm cool with that. <laughs> yeah, and I'm yeah. always a fan of, uh, and I'm ending. This may be uh, something else, but I really like the fact it's a female representation. Right? It's it's not like you said an old man or something. It's uh, it's cool. It's cool to see that and having um, it be a female lends a little more agility, a little more, um, you know, a little more motion to to the chase scene, which, again, another chase scene. This is our third. And again, higher stakes, <laughs> higher stakes. And uh, yeah, she's just phenomenal and, and very funny again. And her the evil in her is not it's not like mustache twirling evil. It's kind of uh, has a purpose and a focus kind like yeah. a science focus, you know. So again, it's not just like I'm just a bad guy and gonna take that and kill the world. It's it's to focus on her work and her science that she wants to see come to fruition. So that's you great. Kind of get the feeling that she's just a little unhinged. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes. She's she's a little she's a little little wonky. But uh, probably when you say I can't wait to see you die, I mean that, that, yeah. that kind of helps. It is. Yeah. It's like like Bill said. It's very science oriented because she's like. Young man, can I have that back? It's proprietary. Like she so needs that computer funny. back. <laughs> yeah, and that, like I'm gonna watch you die, not because I'm an evil villain who just enjoys people dying. You're a science experiment. Yeah, exactly. You're my lab test. You're a yeah. Oh, great. <laughs> it was it was really good. I mean, and then when Spider Gwen first shows up, like in there the woods, and they're they're losing, like they're about to get their ass handed to them by Doc Ock, and Spider Gwen ties them up, ties her up, like saves them, like. I I really like Spider Gwen, and as soon as I saw her take the computer and show up, I'm like, awesome, Spider yeah, Gwen. Her, her whole reveal is just badass, it's zipping around, fantastic. Uh, she's actually a, a new character. She she didn't she came out in 2014, 2015. Yeah, yeah really. and her her little intro here that we're about to get to is she says that for the past two years she's been Spider Woman. Mm, 2015. Right. Yep. I mean, Gwen Stacy's been around forever, but the, <laughs> the 2014, sorry, 2014. But she first showed up in a in the Spider event, Spider, -ver the first mm -hmm. Spider-Verse comic in 2014, 2015. That's where she, she first shows up. She wasn't supposed to be a major character, but she became such a fan favorite. They're like, oh, we need to do something with this character. Yeah. And now it, she's huge. 
Oh yeah, one of the biggest. I mean, and I also love like in her intro, which I already knew her intro, but you know, I actually talk about it. Where in her case, she got bit by the spider, and her best friend Peter Parker ends up becoming the lizard, and she ends up trying to save him, but he ends up dying, and that was her loss. Where like every you know, almost every Spider-Man has like you know, Peter Parker loses Uncle Ben, you know, everyone always loses somebody, and and she lost Peter. Yeah, he uh, he's jealous of her superpower, so he tries to replicate him and turns himself into the lizard. That's what it is. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Okay. I did not know that. And right after you get Gwen's background, you get the Kingpin's background, which, again, it gives Kingpin a reason for what he's doing. It shows, like, he has a motive why he's trying to open this world. Like, it isn't just because I'm a villain and I need to do evil things. He's trying to bring back his wife and kid who died in a car accident because he was being a villain. And -hmm. he's trying to find them in a different world and bring them back to be with him again. Like, that that's a powerful moment, too. Like, it makes sense why he's doing what he's doing. You got to give a villain a motivation. Yeah, yeah, I mean, just that makes the best villain. Be evil. You have to, and that, and it's an easy, it's an easy one because you don't have much time. Because you know, in about a few minutes, we're gonna be introduced to four more spider people, but um, <laughs> well, three more spider people. But uh, yeah, you gotta give a villain some motivation, and um, it's it's a it's a solid one. It's a classic one, but it works because it's classic, and uh, yeah, it definitely yeah. gives it more. I do love how they all go to they all go to May's house. Like that part was there. That was funny. And she goes in and he's like, May. And then she's like, Peter, it's you. And are you telling me you're from an alternate universe? And they're like, wait a second. That's a little too much of a guess there. (laughs) That was that cracked me up to that. That that was funny. Yeah, that's an emotional scene, too, because May just lost Peter. And Peter says Peter B says in his background that he buried Aunt May. So. It's it's hard in both directions seeing each other. It, it it was powerful. It was very very good. And they go and I, I did crack up with the spider shed. She's like, here, I got something to show you. And they go back. And he's like, yeah, I got one of these back home too. <laughs> and then it turns out he's like, oh no, that's a this is a little bit more. And you and you did see the spider buggy when you're going down the hill down <laughs> the whole thing. The spider buggy. I'm like, spider buggy, stupid thing, but it makes me smile. I have one of those. Is, is that? What is a spider buggy? It's just, it's just, it's just a buggy. buggy that's it's a buggy that can stick to walls and stuff like that. It's made okay. by Johnny Storm and Peter Parker. Well, <laughs> no, it's, it's, yeah. I'm sure. No, it's 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 uh, yeah, it's great. The reveal is good. Um, it's just cool to see. You know, now you have some tools at your disposal. I love Aunt May in this movie. Yeah, she is so good as kind of like the Alfred uh, to Batman, who's you know. Just again has the has the tools and access to the shed, the shed of death and destruction, and awesome costumes. I can't imagine the amount of just geekery that was going on in the theater when they saw when <laughs> oh, yes. real fans of the comics saw all those costumes lined up in a semicircle. I'm looking at them like I don't know what these are, but I'm sure someone does, and someone has paused this movie and is just rubbing their face against the screen because that I, I had to be some sort of like fan service. There's no way it wasn't. I knew three of the four. I knew Peter Porker. I knew Spider-Man Noir. I did oh, not know the girl with the robot. Oh, no, no. I'm That's talking like about talking, yeah, the costumes that are on oh, display. Okay, I knew the majority of them. You did. Okay, see, I <laughs> just I looking at you. it like, man, that wasn't there. <laughs> Partly, I knew a bunch of them because there's a Spider-Man game, there's an Infinite Runner for mobile that I used to play a lot, and those, some of those costumes were unlockables in that game, and I had some of them, so some like Atomic Spider-Man, but also I just know a lot about Spider-Man. So, yeah, those are all real things in the comics, too. Yeah, including the uh, the PS4 costume. Oh, yeah. That just came out. That's funny. 
So yeah, so at this point we're going down and we we finally get uh, introduced to our our new crew. Uh, my question was now that I know this is all a comic, that makes more sense to probably in said comic. But they are they references to the past, like again noir or Peter Porker or uh, adorable anime manga. Um, um, anime <laughs> I don't know from the manga girl, but Spider Noir was definitely a thing they did. And I Spider Noir, I mean Spider. Peter Parker Noir, Spider-Man Noir, is in, like, one game, Shattered Dimensions. He, he's around off and on, except it's perfect with Nicolas Cage playing the character. Perfect. But, uh, and Peter Parker was a joke that's in the spectacular Spider-Ham, a one-off one issue that came out a long time ago, but now it's worth a lot of money because of this damn movie. I, um, I've seen that book for $5. I didn't buy it, and I saw it for $100. I'm like, fucking A, I should have bought that. Wow, <laughs> you missed out on that investment. I was pissed. So, now that we're at this point, I want, now we have, you know, so we have you know, Miles, we have Parker B, we have Spider-Woman, and then these three guys uh, and gals. So who's our, who's your favorite of the six? I'll start with Peter. Definitely Spider-Ham. I love, <laughs> I love John Mulaney. So I feel like I could, I could picture him, I picture him doing this voiceover um, while he was doing it. Um, but he's just a fun, he's just a fun little character. And it's, he provides even more comic relief within comic relief. Um, I feel like, I, I mean, I, I, I like them all. Uh, they all have their interesting parts but yeah spider ham's definitely i could see me i could see myself being a kid and really <laughs> loving him so it's he's funny i mean he again he's just a reference to, to you know god porky pig that was hard. yeah he's uh, adorable he's absolutely yeah, adorable exactly. look at that my face. favorite look at that nose it would definitely be spider gwen in this that was by far my favorite yeah. i just love spider gwen too yeah i like that like i'm not usually big on uh comic relief characters they usually come off across as annoying but like pete said it's just Comic relief on comic relief. He does have one of the best lines in the movie, once we'll, we'll get to later. But uh, as far as favorites go, probably Miles once he uh, comes into his own. Just the whole look and attitude is awesome. Yeah, they all have their different levels of great. I adore um, Spider-Man Noir <laughs> I, because A, Nick Cage is a national treasure and B... He stole a national treasure. He still is. He is. Did I say, did I say was? No, I said he stole a national treasure. Oh, he stole. Oh, no. Wow. You win the show, funny. sir. Oh, my. <sighs> That's it. Put a pin in that one. Um, that was awesome. Yes, he, uh, he is a national treasure. And um, I just love film noir in general. I just love that genre and the way they play off all the cliches of, the, of, of that genre and that style of film. The fast talking, the the match burning down to his fingers, but it doesn't continue going. So you have to feel a little pain. I thought all of that was so beautifully on point. Uh, I adored it. And because I, I love all the different characters, but if I had to pick a standout for me of just joy, he was joyful. I loved it. And Mike, to, to kind of fill in Penny Parker for you, she was one of the ones introduced in the Spider-Verse when it oh, okay. came about in the comics. I read some of that, but I don't remember her in it. I think she was just in one of the intros. Like she had her own standalone one-off. Okay, I, I I read the main book and I read some of the off stuff, but not all of it. That makes sense. So we got our team, our our team of super pals. And this is also when they end up making Miles sad because he doesn't feel like he's he's not up to because he can't use his power. And they're like, he's not ready. He can't do this. And he ends up disappearing and leaving. Which makes Which sense good. because, well, it's great because he's not. Mm-hmm. They're right. And they want to protect them. They're like, they're probably thinking he's probably going to be the spider person in this universe. And y'all ain't ready to go on take on Collider and Kingpin and Scorpion and all the other guys we find out about later on in the film. So they have a point. 
And it's really sad because you also feel for him because you like him. You want him to succeed. You want him to make it to the end. But it's like, yeah, brother, you, you're not. If you can't turn on your invisibility power right away, what you going to do? Yeah, so, you're not going to be able to do it. Extraordinarily <laughs> sad. Yeah. It's, yeah. And they, they, uh, they show that visually, too. Like we talked about in Captain America. I said I was going to bring this up when they're looking <laughs> at the costumes and he looks at the Spider-Man one. And it shows the reflection of his face about chest level where he doesn't quite fill out the costume yet. Yes. Which yep. comes back around. It always does. <laughs> That's what's so great about this. Everything comes back around, as, I, as we've all said multiple times in this in this episode. And like I, I love it when he when he does what would make sense. He goes back to Uncle Aaron's apartment because you know he's some which completely fits the character that he goes to. And I love this how he's in the apartment and the Prowler shows up. And this is a powerful scene too when he's sitting there, he's hiding. The Prowler's looking for him, and then all of a sudden you see the Prowler take off his mask, and you realize who he is. Mm-hmm. And you realize Uncle Aaron is the is the is the fucking Prowler. Like that that was powerful to me too. Hey Peter, how did how did that one uh, hit you once you realized uh, Prowler was a was a good bro? <laughs> good is a relative term. Good. Bro. <laughs> I mean, does I I wondered if it was from I wonder if that was established in comics in any way, but it, it still was a surprise to me as somebody who is not into any of this. I I was surprised and I gave me a heartbreak, and I knew that I knew it wouldn't end well by the end of the film. It was and the, the scene where they're, you know, where he's in the apartment and Prowler is trying to find him is, is just so tense and it's lit. It's like on purples and it's blue and it's dark and it's it gives you a real sense of unease. And I think it was really well done. Yeah, yeah that at, Prowler at, theme hits hard too with the opening. It's yeah. like a distorted elephant sound. Yeah, it's like just a quiet room. And then that thing kicks in. It's like, holy crap. That caught me, too. It's it is extremely tense. The stalking is just. It reminded me quite a bit of um, you ready for this. Another Jurassic Park reference, but I know where it came from this time. <laughs> Peter, I'm sorry you don't know this. It's kind of like the raptor scene, right? Where you have somebody who's so underpowered against a extremely powerful uh, opponent in the kitchen. Um, just again, they're oh, he's yeah. hiding and he's he's hidden and he's you sure. have the stalking. If they find him, he's dead. There's nothing you, he can do. Um, right. I didn't realize I was going to mention this uh, earlier. I am really here for when spiky things come out of hands or feet or bats because you see a hand and the hands, you know, for a hand of a superhero, that's, that's deadly. But when spikes appear out of it, Oh man, we are at next level pain. Like if there's a bat that has spikes come out of it, anything that goes chunk with spikes, super down for that. <laughs> just why I just had my, that's my, that's where my brain went. Or needles going to people's spines. And yeah, you have a thing for that too. Apparently. <laughs> yes, I did. Well, Hey, listen, what can I say? Man of strange tastes. I've, I've learned that over over these episodes. <laughs> like, I think we all I, have. I, I do love how it you know he ends up and he and I and Miles after running out of Prowler's apartment he ends up leading them to May's house where all the Spider Men are. Which again I like how they're like they didn't follow you did they? Like no they didn't. And someone pops in like oh they followed you. <laughs> so funny, so good. It worked. The door and everyone's oh, spider sense goes off. That whole fight in the house was was also phenomenal like i want to say this is also when they introduced the scorpion in this movie yeah i yeah. don't like the scorpion in this movie he is my by far i'm okay with most of the villain but that that version of him i don't like how he is like a guy with a mutated scorpion tail and he is like scorpion feet or i don't like it at all it bothers me 
interesting. I, I for me, he was just a big bad. You know, like yeah, I mean, stupid. I, I didn't really have much of a connection to him because you really don't. He's just a, a big dude to beat on. Again, which is fine. It's it's a, it's a comic book movie. You need those. Who is the Frankenstein looking dude? Uh, that's Tombstone. Tombstone. He's one of okay. Kingpin's a regular hench people. <clears throat> Yeah, I didn't. I had no idea. I was I was gleaning little bits of it. Like I know what a, I know Scorpion. I've I've heard of that term and you know that name. But I didn't know who it's he was. Like, okay, it's kind of like Max Headroom or something. If anybody remembers that? That's Max Headroom. I can't place it. Where am I? Where is that from? <laughs> it was like some '80s uh, TV show. Max um, Headroom. All right, come on. I can't. I can't let this slide. <laughs> I can't let this right yeah, now. Computer generated like figure. I know. I, that's what I thought of when I saw 1987, it. 1987, it's a yeah, fictional artificial intelligent character known as for his wit and stuttering. Oh, that dude. Yeah, 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 yeah. That guy, Max Headroom. That's cool. That's he what actually I does. Thought of when I saw it. He is yeah. a very vertical it's head. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, looks a little, a little, a little bit like. Okay. Anyway, <laughs> not where I expected this to go, but that that whole fight is just awesome. Like they do a great job in getting you an action scene, which also has you know it has a it has a big moment that you know helps impact Miles and really again more character growth. Where he Prowler's chasing after him, but the Prowler doesn't know that Miles is Spider Man yet. And as they're climbing on top of the roof, he's about to choke him out, and he Miles pulls off his mask. It's Uncle Aaron, it's me, and. That is powerful. Like he stops. He starts to loosen his grip. He's like, wait, I can't kill my nephew. And then he takes off his own mask. And, you know, he's realizing, like, I'm about to, you know, like, this is, this is, you know, Miles. And then he gets shot in the back by Kingpin. Like, that also yeah. was powerful, too. They just, he just shoots him. He knows, too, because, like, he's backing up and he's got his hands in the air. And there's, like, this real quick, his eyes dart to the side where Kingpin is. Like, he knows what's coming. Uh, like he just he just defied Kingpin. There's no coming back from that. Such a powerful moment, too. And like everything leading up to this, like where he takes the body, he runs. Peter B. Parker helps him out, like helps does something before he can run away. And then he gets to the alley and he's talking to Prowler. And I can't remember what Prowler says, but when he dies in the alley and he's sitting there over his body and a cop shows up and it's his and it's his father, um, Uncle Aaron's brother. And that that that's also powerful and then he he's like i gotta put an apb and a spider-man when he finds and he finds his brother dead and it, it is really good it's shocking yeah. it's just absolutely shocking i mm -hmm. i mean i when i first found out aaron was a prowler i gasped audibly i went <gasps> I, I literally caught me so by surprise i did not see it coming and of course the death scene is just uh, touching and it's touching because it's earned the yeah. movie earned it worked hard to make that happen to make that scene work that's why a lot of the older Marvel movies don't work because they don't they just make things happen without setting setting up the groundwork and building it up so when that hard scene does happen it, it really punches so um this is a character driven movie um it is it, it is action packed but it's got every character is like has some backstory and some emotional connection to someone else and that's why it works so well it's almost like it's almost literally like a, an ensemble cast like yeah. it's like a yeah it's that's a great way of putting it yeah oh, yeah it's not just a plot driven movie, which sounds like a stupid thing that I'm pretty sure I just made up. But no, MCU not. movies, it sounds like movies got a movie just for the sake of movie. And yeah. so plot happens. Thor has to Thor has to fall from the thing, pretend to die. So uh, Natalie Portman can have a teary scene that wasn't earned. Like, sorry, not earned. You didn't didn't put in the groundwork. Putting two attractive people around a fire looking at a piece of paper <laughs> does not equal earned romance. I, it's not earned. You didn't. And you still have not got over that, have you? Ah, I was over it until we started talking about things not earned. And that's like my right now. That was the first thing to pop in my brain. Like so this is traveling a, 30 you know, miles from Guatemala oh, to America in 20 and days. We, you know? we missed the perfect opportunity to bring that up, Mike, is when 
uh, Miles is telling Peters, like, hey, you can teach me to swing on the way to Alchemax, and then it shows him on the bus. So that would have been a great moment to bring that up. See, I was it shows okay how they got that, there. Because there was a scene. <laughs> Was, well, yeah, yeah. Then, they didn't travel across country with no money yeah. when you're begging for a coin like mm. so, <laughs> saying it, it's, it's earned it's like they've yeah and yeah. there's another like after after uncle aaron dies and the prowler and you have another powerful I mean, you just have you get hit with a ton of powerful scenes where Miles goes back to his room and he's trying he wants to he wants to leave with the spider-man he wants to go help them because someone has to stay behind to close the collider and whoever does is going to die unless it's you know him from this world and they're like Peter B. Parker, who's already kind of, you know, depressed and, and down on life. He's like, I'll stay behind. I decided. And he's like, you're not ready. He ties him up. He's like, you can't break out of this. If you can't do this, you're not ready. And they just leave him there. They just leave him tied to the chair. And they even gag him. They even shoot the little fighter thing, you know, web across his mouth. And his dad shows up, knocks on the door. He's like, son, I need to talk to you. And he can't talk. He's just sitting there, just listening. And it's a powerful moment where his, oh, yeah. his father doesn't tell him, Uncle Aaron, he just... He's like, I love you, son. I, I know we're not the closest I know, but I, I love you. And it's just it was really powerful. Yeah, that was for me. That was like the most powerful scene. And it's just like he sees his shadow under the door and he's, you know, he can't speak, of course. But, you know, it's just a one sided conversation. But still, you know, I, it got me right there because it, it was like I haven't seen a scene written that powerfully in most other movies. It was really well yeah. done. I was yeah. very, I it, it, it had me. Like, I, I had bought into this. I was in. And then even, like, when the next part where then Miles, he does break out. He finally, after talking with his dad, he's finally able to figure out how to activate his electric power. And he burns yeah. the ropes. And he's starting to realize how to turn invisible, how to use these powers he was given, which is all just so great. Yeah, and it, that that's the one little thing I think might be a chink in the armor with this movie is the concept of, the concept of all you need to do is believe in yourself is a well-worn trope, uh, which is basically what happens here. His he hears his dad tell him he loves him. He hears his dad just kind of really soften up. And like I said in earlier, you know, all all a kid wants is his dad to 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 be proud of him. That's that's the term I was looking for before. You just want your dad to be proud of you. And when he hears that his dad's proud of him, that gives him the confidence to take that forward it's a worn trope it works here because again you really love all of these characters and it's set up very well yeah it's just that that again that concept of like all you gotta do is believe it's like well <laughs> i could believe all i want i could flap my arms and fly but guess what i ain't jumping off a building so but you're not in a movie or a comic book nor was i bit nor was i bit by a radioactive spider so and if you are in a movie it's a it's a horror film we're in currently so there is no happy endings Nothing. so i kind of took it as it's not just him believing in himself <laughs> It's that Jefferson Davis believes in him and Aaron tells him as he's dying that Miles is the best of him. So it's like he sees all these people that like he has to protect. He has to do something to fight back. So he's finally ready to take on that great responsibility that comes with the great power. Right. And that's <laughs> and, and again, all that makes sense and it works. I just for me, the trope is a little worn. But again, I'm not sitting there throwing popcorn at it. I was I was still super in, super there for it. It is a beautiful scene. Like as a dad, I can't imagine what he was feeling, you know, to be a touch estranged from his son, trying to reach out, knowing he's there. You can see the shadow, which is it's not like he's just not there. You can see he's there. And you're thinking as a dad, I'm trying to reach out. My my son hates me so much. He can't even respond. And this the disdain that he turns and he walks away defeated is beyond anything I've seen in quite some time, to be honest. Like someone else said, I don't know if I've seen something that good as far as emotionally touching. Yeah, it was just heartbreaking. 
that's really intense which is which is what you're going for because again yeah. it's character growth like the next the next part where he finally realizes it he goes where may is, and she's like i've been waiting for you he goes back to the house and he goes into the spider lair and you see him find one of the spider-man suits and then he spray paints it because that's his thing he, he spray paints it black he puts a symbol on it you know which is a spray paint symbol like he's making it his own which is that's... again great it was really good and i think we missed a scene that i yeah we did miss a scene earlier but i have to mention at one point when all the spider-man get together right before they get attacked they they fix the collider and they all remake it you see smart people doing smart things i mean it was yay makes me happy (laughs) i was waiting for something (laughs) Uh, yeah i mean it was pretty brief i mean yeah they're fixing the collider and all um is it not smart people enough for you no they're plenty smart she's a she's a dang genius I, I mean, I didn't really it didn't really catch me. I might have been taking notes at that point and just didn't it didn't hit me. I'm sure I'll watch it again. I will certainly watch this again because it's wonderful. <laughs> and maybe I'll just bask in the glory of five seconds of smart people doing smart things. Peter, in case you don't know, that's one of my favorite things in movies. <laughs> I didn't that know that. Horror. Yeah, along with body horror. Yeah. Yes, along with, uh, yeah, yeah, Junji Ito uh, horrifying body horror. Yes, that comes up a lot in this podcast. So. So, and I, I love all that. Like when they go to info, cause they, they realize the collider is underneath Kingpin's building and they go to Kingpin. They, they infiltrate the building and all that is cool. Like when they first drop into the dining room and everybody's wearing Spider-Man masks because Kingpin is doing like a dinner in honor of Spider-Man, even though he's, he's the fucker that killed him. Like that was good. Yeah. That was, that, that, that had me. And like, you know, they're wearing the Spider-Man, you know, so they just infiltrate, just wearing the costume, just walk, like you to do, we're normal, we belong here. And when, when he sees MJ and MJ, like, oh, I, I just wanted to ask him, he's like, I'm sorry, MJ, I'll, I'll be better. She's like, I just need some bread. He's like, I'll be better. I'm not going to let you, he's like, I just need bread. And even it was stupid, I, I liked it. And then Gwen's like, we'll get you bread. He'll, he'll get you bread. <laughs> you know, it's just, it's... And then she's like, we're not getting her bread. Let's go. <laughs> It was I always thought it was that was a joke. weird, kind of a weird scene until I realized that it's coming from the point of view of someone who's planning on dying here shortly. Like, this is his one chance to apologize and say goodbye. Oh, yeah, because he's he he planning him, to yeah, stay behind. Gives a little different context. It's still good. I yeah, don't know, I, I'm super I, into it. And, yeah, and guess what one the next shots are? Bread! The next <laughs> shot is a shot of shaking <laughs> bread. Everything pays off. <laughs> That's what's so good about this movie, though. Take like, a drink yeah. every time someone says it. I seriously, no, we should have started that drinking game. Actually, Mike, you should absolutely, uh, at the beginning of this, just put in a little voiceover. Every time, every time someone says it pays off, have a drink. No <laughs> one will be able to listen to the next no episode. That might not go so well. It, no, it won't, but it'll be, it'll be hilarious. That's more editing than I wanted. Well, it's simple, but still. <laughs> Not yeah. All right. And this is also when you have the port. The portal finally activates again. And because earlier, I don't completely mention, but when the portal was activated, things started changing. Like you saw you saw like buildings and things start to kind of get very weird and like glitch out and things added. And you see that again when the portal is activated, the world's starting to because the, the whole idea of this of the story that by activating the portal, a kingpin is doing to get his family back. You're going to have all these worlds combined into one, which will then destroy the world itself. And he doesn't care because he came from single minded. He has a single minded motivation. He wants his family back. Yeah, and it was good. And this is where you get like the huge action scene at any, you know, every superhero movie where all the villains show up and everybody's just fighting. Like I and, I, you know, you have Scorpion, Doc Ock. I think no Prowler's dead. I don't remember who else is there besides Doc Ock and Scorpion. I think there's a oh, Tombstone, maybe. Yeah, Tombstone's there. Tombstone's a stupid villain, man. 
<laughs> never. I like his fight scene with a uh, noir Spider-Man though, where every time he hits him, it like shows the old timey automata PS come out. Yeah. On the <laughs> third one, it, it, it just splashes applesauce real big in the background. It's like that's awesome. Fantastic. Yeah. Noir Noir Spider-Man is great with with Nicolas Cage doing the voiceover. Like it, it's great. We said earlier, and it and like even just the whole fight scene because Noir Spider-Man also uses a gun, not in this, but in the comic. Yeah. Which they don't touch on, but I, I, that that was cool. Like they they paired the right people against each other, and the whole fight scene is just badass. And I want to say Peter Parker, Peter Parker B is trying to close the collider. He gets the the goober inside, which is a flash drive, into the into the into the outlet, but he's getting choked by Doc Ock, and that's when Miles shows up to save the day. And they, this is when they friend, this is when they see Miles in the new costume and realize that he learned how to control his powers. Because he, when you first, when he first comes in, you don't even see him. He's invisible. And Doc Ock just starts punching herself. I'm like, why is she punching herself? I was really confused. I'm like, what the hell? Oh, it, it didn't yeah. compute right away. It did not compute That's for funny. a couple seconds. And then it, then I was like, okay. Like, it, it got me. I, w- I was on board. I was laughing my ass off. Like, everything with that fight was just badass, too. Like, it was very good. Sitting back and enjoying those LSD trippy visuals. <laughs> that we got going on yeah and unfortunately i wasn't even drinking during this like i should have been it would have been more fun but i wasn't i i had to go midway through this movie i had to turn i had to pause the movie and go go drive somewhere and then come back and then finish the movie so but i should have <laughs> it was yeah, awesome I, yeah i have nothing else to add to that honestly the fights are kinetic um they're it's very they're very physical um so and every everyone gets a chance to shine which is which is a marvel staple and they're marvel's very good at that everyone gets their own screen time they get their own moment uh but in, certainly in this one my favorite uh moment was probably i think it was Scorp, Scorp, uh, scorpion and the little robot girl mm-hmm. and she loses her robot friend i was i was, was so that was sad Man, little robot friend had little X's on his eyes and hearts. It was really adorable. Um, again, I do. I, I'm not a fan of the tombstone character. We never get a chance to really see him more than a thug, you know, which is fine. Um, you know, big old Herman Munster head uh, just slugging away with Noir. But yeah, everyone gets a chance and everyone gets a chance to contribute into the, the battle. Again, all the LSD stuff is just beautiful. High, high contrast colors. It's a it's a great scene, and again, massive stakes. Now we're at our final nadir of the movie, or nadir does that mean high? I don't know. We're at the height <laughs> of the movie. <laughs> I might have used the wrong word. Um, we're at the height climax. of that. The climax. Thank you. We're at the climax of this film, and everything is now coming to a head, and everything that we've worked towards is now working, and it's fantastic and exciting, and it doesn't go too long, which is important. In these things, I think, a lot of especially some Marvel movies and especially other movies um, previous, just the fights go on too long. You know, the filmmakers think, oh, this needs to be a 10 minute action scene. And it's like, no, you can do it in three and really be effective and really be fun. So it's great. I mean, it's all you need. You don't, you're right. It doesn't overstay its welcome. Like it, it has all the different beats, miles opening the portal. You know, you have the spiders leaving one by one. They each say something before they jump in. You have the Kingpin finally shows up and you have, you know, and you have another scene where when Peter B leaves, where he like he does the same thing. He does a sweep kick to him, grabs him, and because he's going to stay behind to help him fight Kingpin, he's like, "You need to go to MJ. Like, you need to go. I got this." And everything is just so damn powerful. And then like the fight with Kingpin and Miles, like again, that's just so powerful and it's just awesome. Like, because Kingpin is kind of a normal guy with like just some a lot of muscle for some reason, and it's just 
so good. Like it, it, it grabbed me. Like I enjoyed that whole fight where they're they're going back and forth, and you know he's, they're running across buildings that are in the, like the air, in this portal and everything. It's all badass. And he finally like the the climax of the fight too, where he hits him and he he knocks him down, and you have the cop. Um, Miles' dad, who sees him, and he sees Spider-Man, he's like, "Get up, Spider-Man! You can do it! Get up!" And that, and that, that part where earlier in the movie we did not mention, where he, where Miles asks him, "What do you think of Spider-Man after he gets his powers?" He's like, oh, "I don't, you know," and he doesn't like Spider-Man because Spider-Man's a vigilante. He's not good. He's not obeying the law. And this part is so powerful to him because he's he's behind the new Spider. Yeah, I mean, you said it. You said it perfectly, honestly. I mean, it's. <laughs> I, I, I said yes because there was dead silence, so I'm like, I gotta chime in something. It's a really touching scene, and it's great. Uh, and also, there's a scene there when Kingpin is actually sees his family and kind of reaches for them. Like, so you you get that moment of softness where he just turns his face turns right, and he just his eyes open a bit right, and he kind of just just has that moment of oh, there they are. And of course, they're still afraid of him. Is yeah. so good. I, yeah. It's extremely touching. Because at the um, same time, he's grabbing Spider-Man and like pinning him against the subway train. Right. They're starting to phase in right. and phase out. So he's doing what he did when they first saw that and had scared them away too back all those all those years ago for him. Just so far, yeah, yeah. can't help but feel for him. No, you can't. I mean, a lot of the good villains, they will have you will have a touch of sympathy for them. You won't make yeah. them complete monsters. Yeah, it's it's kind of like uh, I think I've said this in other uh, episodes of this, but <clears throat> a villain needs a positive motivation. They need right. to think what they're doing is right, even right. if the results are wrong. Because if you if they're just doing things for the sake of being evil, then they're just you know mustache twirling villains, you know tying so tying women to yeah exactly right. They gotta be complicated or else you can't care. And um, they do this very quickly with good with good tropes. You know, family losing your family is extremely hard. Um, but it works and it's a quick fix for that kind of motivation and to have that kind of dichotomy between this extremely villainous person to have this one soft spot super works super great it, it i i really liked it too i i and then i mean everything like with the and then like the part of that fight wraps up where he grabs kingpin with the with the with the webbing and and he's like hit the green button for me and he throws him into this panel that has like has a switch that they couldn't hit earlier that that was great like that's way one way to press the button throw a big giant fat guy at it like (laughs) which just before that he gets back up every kingpin hits him he's like hey kingpin you ever hear the shoulder touch Puts his hand hand on his shoulder and then hits him with the venom strike it's i forgot about that not gonna say it just not gonna say it (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it pays off but <laughs> mike we're supposed to I say it to. <laughs> <laughs> oh and, and everything about this and then when miles and then i, I want to say it's right after this where they kind of go their separate like the building and then you see you see um miles dad calls miles on his cell phone and early in this movie throughout throughout this he did not answer him like he would he was ignoring the phone calls multiple times and he finally answers it and he's like, I know we're not on the best terms. Thank you for answering. But he's like, I got to tell you about your uncle. And he's like, I know already. And I mean, even that is so powerful. And the part where he, when Miles goes down to his dad and he hugs him and the cop's like, why is Spider-Man <laughs> hugging me? And he's like, I love you. And then I, I feel like even though he doesn't, they don't, he doesn't say he's Miles. I feel like the dad knows. Like there's a couple, he tries to play it off, but I feel like he knew that's his son. It's not well, happened fi- in this movie. Yeah. Well, the final thing he does is he, sta- he slaps one of his tags on the, oh, yeah. on the signs and his dad kind of gasps and i think at that point his dad knows his son is spider-man oh that's what i took okay. from it i don't know am i wrong i'm pretty sure that's what happened. i think so i think you're right in that one 
I mean, that's what I took from it. Yeah. Um, again, everything ties back. I love you, which was a callback to the very beginning of the film when he would refuse to say I love you to his dad in public. When he's awkwardly <laughs> standing in front of the school, with his, dad, <laughs> his dad on the bullhorn. I'm your dad. Um, so it calls back to that when he says I love you. And oh, yeah. It was good. It it's so damn good. Like it and it. I mean, and this movie ends on such a positive note too. It shows you what each of the spiders are doing in their own universe and how they're handling things after this. And you even see like the one that I want to reference is Peter B. Parker, where he shows up at MJ's house holding the flowers, and that's Fantastic. all you see. The door opens. He smiles. He's holding the flowers, and and you find out throughout the movie that the reason why they broke up because she wanted to have kids and he didn't, so he just left her. He was ready to fill that room up with bread, the bread that she wanted. (laughs) (laughs) It's so damn good, like everything. And and then when you see uh, Miles swinging around town and and this didn't didn't click to me until the end of the movie where he said it's been two days since he became Spider-Man. This whole movie takes place over three days. Wow. Wow. Which I was like, okay. Uh, (laughs) I wasn't expecting that, but I'm like, all right. I should have known because it shows, but it just didn't click. And it's just so damn good. Like everything with the ending is just spot on to me. Yep. Get another it's... montage. Yeah. Oh, yep. and one thing we hadn't mentioned that we should bring up, especially now that we had mentioned before the recording, that Bill wanted to mention of uh, the music in this movie, the soundtrack. It's sensational. It's so good. It fits yep. the it fits the environment. It fits the character. It fits Brooklyn. It fits everything the the adventure themes are wonderful um and the, of course the final the final theme as he's doing awesome spider-man stuff like we know spider-man does he's falling with his hands behind his head he's swinging around he has the big heroic at the top of the building looking at the landscape all of that is so satisfying and wonderful um that's all the stuff that even before we had these the original spider-man movies that was the stuff we just loved about it spider-man swinging around doing cool spider-man stuff um and the fact that this character that we've come to love over the course of the last you know hour and 40 minutes is finally able to do that is cathartic and glorious and wonderful and a treat yeah the ending is gorgeous it was great like it I, I, I loved everything. And then it also kind of ends on a little bit of a cliffhanger where he's laying in bed listening to his Sony headphones and Spider-Gwen starts talking to him. Like she says something like to show there's a connection between that she was able to connect with the world. Yeah, yeah. that's great. And then we get the uh, so then we have before us our credits and we have an end credit scene. <laughs> hey, hey, fellas. Yeah, I, I, wonder, I didn't not- pay for this. I wonder if Mike didn't have it on the notes if he didn't see it. No, I, I got up. Well, I mean, I, I could I could say I got up and left the theater, but I just turned off Netflix, but, you know. <laughs> Okay. Yeah, there's so, there's hey, a stinger. Hey, you guys, what the hell was I watching? What <laughs> was that? So I knew I as soon as it says it says meanwhile in Nueva York, I knew right away this is 2099. We see oh. Miguel O'Hara talking to his digital assistant, talking about how the events of the movie, how the world didn't explode. He says, "Well, is the goober ready?" She says, "It's called a gizmo." It's like, yeah, whatever. She's like, "With this, you should be able to make an in- the the first man whatever man made jump between dimensions and he goes back to where it all started earth 67 and it plops him down in an episode of the 1967 spider-man cartoon that everyone loves to meme yeah it's like who the heck are you and they're just pointing at each other and then they argue about who is pointing and how rude it is to point it's definitely worth watching if you haven't seen it it's hilarious and and who's that character who's that character the spider-man Miguel O'Hara's Spider-Man 2099. Okay. One of my favorite Spider-Men, by the way. Oh, yeah. 
that costume is awesome. Yeah, yeah, it's I, cool. It's like all black with like a red spider, and yeah. I didn't, again, I didn't know the character. I just figured this is another Spider-Man in another verse, and he's now able to um, swing between the multiverses, which I'm sure is going to play a big part in the next uh, iteration, which is going to be coming out in 2022, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, way too long. I didn't know it was there. I didn't. All I, I knew think, was like the meme, so I, yeah, it's so yeah. It I got it. I was like, yeah. oh, I figured it was like early Spider-Man, and I, it just clicked with me that it was it's the meme stuff. I'm like, oh okay, yeah. I got and, you. And Miguel O'Hara is the best Spider-Man too, so <laughs> I, I really like Spider-Man 2099 for some reason. Okay, well, probably because it's good. I, I don't don't apologize for liking uh, things. It's not good. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, not not it's not good. You're allowed to have opinions and tastes. It's okay. Yeah. No, I've, I've read a bunch of his stories. I don't. I just like the character. I like. The, I like the design of the character for some reason. All right. Cool. Awesome, man. I know nothing about any of this stuff. So, all I know. By the is way, that after credit scene is hilarious. I just watched it just now, and that is fucking. I gotta watch it again on the TV. But that was okay. That was funny. They're pointing at each other. Oh god. <laughs> Obviously, right Sp- Spider-Man pointed first. And that oh, is Spider-Man <laughs> right, any, any last things to say before we go to Shelf for Box? Shelf for Box. Uh, we didn't okay. quite touch on the, the demise of Doc Ock, where they're in, doing, doing the big fight, and Peter B., Gwen, and Miles all square up. He's like, get ready, this is going to take a while. And then she gets hit by a flying semi. Yes! They're oh, like, yeah. And we also <laughs> forgot someone gets hit with an anvil at one point, too. From yes! This is a that's my favorite spider ham line that I mentioned earlier. Scorpion says, uh, so what are you some kind of cartoon? Spider ham says, you got something against cartoons, which I think is like a kind of a jab to all these people that aren't going to see this movie because it's quote unquote a stupid cartoon. Like, well, you're missing out. So, yeah, yeah, I was missing out until last night. So, hey, I've been meaning to watch this movie for months and Netflix got it. I'm like, I'm going to watch this. I'm going to watch this. And. No, nope, yeah, same watch it. Same here. So and it wasn't because it was like it wasn't because it was like, you know, some damn dumb animated cartoon. I just, you know, just kind of flew under my radar for a while, despite everyone I know who's seen this <laughs> raving about it. And again, I've people I trust. So watching quality TV shows such as Smallville and One Tree Hill. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, we should do a Smallville episode. Oh god. I, I, I got eight and I'm just done. We haven't watched it since. We got the we got the season eight, episode one, we're like done. No more Smallville for now. <laughs> now we're watching One Tree Hill, so we switched, went from one high school drama to another high school drama, so I don't know. Is Riverdale up next? Mm-hmm. Riverdale probably more entertaining. One Tree Hill is fight, somehow got, got, it, it got me. Like, the first two seasons were really good. Now I'm kind of, I'm falling off of season three, but it's strange. <laughs> oh, God. Okay, I think it's time to go to Shelf Box. I'm going to go first. Um, I did not, like, I, I had heard good things about the movie, but I didn't know what to expect. I didn't really, like, I didn't know a whole lot about it. I had somehow it, I knew it existed, but it kind of had went under my radar. Like it wasn't, it wasn't something that I sh- and I should have been grabbed into this. It's definitely going on the shelf. I'm so happy we finally watched it. I'm so happy we got to talk about it. And I'm going to recommend this movie to everybody from now on. <laughs> this is probably the best Spider-Man movie out of all like current Spider-Man movies at this time. And I've seen them all. This is by far the best. Oh yeah. How about you, Peter? Uh, definitely shelf it. This was out of all the superhero movies I've, seen it's definitely in the top five maybe even top three and it i thought as a non-comic book person i really responded to it i thought it was very inventive that was very colorful i thought it was very fresh and i would definitely watch it again and again okay. go ahead bill 
Yeah, I mean, the only way this would go into a box is if it was like a gilded box of diamonds that I would put on the <laughs> shelf. That's that's about it. I, okay, I'm over exaggerating a bit. Uh, I, this is gorgeous. It's such a treat. Um, I, the one word I kept walk, running through my head as I walked away from it was joyful. This is a lot of joy in this movie. Um, a lot of love for the source material. You can tell the directors and the filmmakers adore Spider-Man and understand what makes the character phenomenal and makes the character enduring. Again, everyone said all the fun things, right? It's shot beautiful shot. See that? That's how good it is. The animation is gorgeous. Um, it's expressive. So your, your facial animations are just beautiful and really convey how convey emotion in a visual way. The, the script is is amazing. It's funny without being corny. Um, everything pays off. Take that final drink, y'all. Um, <laughs> it's I, I and it's the final thing for me. It's just I don't use this term very often, but it's a masterclass in character building. Like this is how you build characters, y'all. Take take notes, film students, because this is what you do. And the way it builds these this very diverse group of characters um, into people that you really dig, many of which you don't you don't get a lot of time with, especially the final you know the final team. It's it's phenomenal. I'm so glad I saw it. I agree. It's the best Spider Spider Man movie I've seen. The only one I haven't seen is Homecoming. Is that the most recent? Or Far, Far From Home. Home. Far, Far From, from Home. Home is the most recent live action. I have not seen that. Don't worry, um, you will be. I will be. Yes, I'll wait until I. I'll wait because I don't really need to now. I have this. If I need a Spider-Man yeah. fix, it won't um, be that. It won't be that much longer. I mean, at the rate we're going, we'll get there quicker than. <laughs> I know, uh, but so this is obviously a shelf right? it, for all the reasons I stated. And thank you, thanks, uh, thanks, Michael, for oh, for yeah. recommending it and and uh, forcing me to see it. This was uh, a treat. So thank oh, you. Wish. We talked about doing movies outside the MCU, and we're like, "Well, I'm just gonna throw out all my favorite movies, and we'll see what they what they pick." So, yeah, like I said at the top of the episode, it's like forever on my shelf. This is my favorite movie right now. Like, I watched it three times in the last three days. I'll probably watch it again today, honestly. Uh, God, where do I even start? <laughs> uh, I'm at a loss for words. Like. I didn't say a whole lot. I could talk about this movie all day. I didn't say a whole lot during this episode because I mostly wanted to hear what you guys had to say about it, <laughs> especially having never seen it before. Well, it's, it's so damn good. Like, if you haven't seen it yet and you're listening to this episode, first of all, what are you doing? Go go see it now that we've spoiled the plot. But go see it. It's yeah. great. Even if you spoil the plot, it's not. It's, it's yeah. still worth seeing, honestly. You got you to gotta see it in motion. Everything's so colorful and vibrant. Like, it's no surprise that the producers worked on the Claudia the chance to beat more movies before this because they're all super colorful and vibrant too yeah yeah go see it it's, it's all i'm saying <laughs> go see it pull it all that's pull so it all of the collective shelves yeah sorry go ahead sorry <laughs> that's about what i expected i i i i had the expectation that all of us would put this on the shelf oh, because yeah. it's just so damn good so again i want to thank peter for joining us tonight welcome because i mean i again i wanted to bring you know I know you're not a big comic book fan, but it was perfect bringing on just a just an amazing movie. And while yeah, you're still you're off welcome. the work, we're taking advantage of it. <laughs> Why not? So, and for those that you did see hear his plug earlier, if you're still definitely there will be a link in the show notes for his book, so you can go check that out. The when Civilization published, and the third book will be coming out in October. So probably not that little bit. The book will be a little bit after this episode gets published. Uh, <laughs> I have planned. And again, I want to thank you for keeping along with us in the MCU. Um, the next movie we're covering is going to be the COVID best movie ever, Iron Man oh, 3, geez. which I have not seen in years. So maybe my opinion will change. 
Yeah, I saw it once in theaters, and that's it. I've never seen it, so this will be a new new experience. Hey, guys, will this be a treat as well? Uh, (laughs) I like that this episode turned into the gushing that we thought Avengers was going to be. That's right. So... I, I'm expecting to go the opposite direction next next time. Maybe oh, our expectations really. will be wrong. Yeah, I hope so. Been, Maybe it'll be flipped. Five years. Maybe it'll be flipped. Maybe I'll love it and find all these nuggets of wonderful, and you guys hate it. Like like Avengers. You know, Avengers. I was like, yeah, I'm super into this still, and you guys were, nope, I grew up. So, but like, <laughs> I don't understand how that happened. Like, I, it's, I think it's very funny, and I think you guys had valid points. Uh, so yeah, we will be covering Iron Man 3. Um, this was a bonus that you got two this month, the month you're listening to this, because we're going to try to start doing two Marvel or two movies a month, probably Marvel to kind of knock out the rest of them, because by the time you're listening to this, I've already gotten a, a, a bunch of them under the under my belt. So we're going to be doing that for you guys. And again, I want to please check out our awesome intro and outro, courtesy of Bobby, a.k.a. Mike Stoney from his EP Bite the Bullet song, The Cool Kid Squad. So definitely check him out if you like if you like our intro and outro music that you probably have heard. Hey, maybe you. Hey, maybe over a hundred times at this point. If you listen to every episode, like I have. So I think that's all I need to say. I want to thank you guys for joining me again for for something a little different. Oh yeah, thank Absolutely. you. Thanks for having us. Fun. All right, and we will see everybody next week. Bye, everybody. See you.